You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on all the cool and exciting projects happening in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? What's up, guys? It's going good. I mean, it feels like it's been a while since we've gotten the chance to talk about a new live-action Star Wars trailer because we've been spoiled for these last few years of getting some every so often. But we got a cool one to talk about today, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, this is a this was a long time coming. I think uh, Star Wars, in, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, has been so kind of stagnant since the Rise of Skywalker came out. As far as uh, again, a few months after the movie came out, it's just been kind of. Uh, dead a little bit in a sense to where it's just not a lot coming out and i think when the high republic um got delayed till next year basically that really killed momentum for i think uh for star wars to be quite honest because with before you know when celebration was going to come out you had obviously this big kickoff with the high republic and that was going to lead into the mandalorian and then you know, we had some things in between then uh, and when we left off after Rise of Skywalker. But then after that, things got kind of just weird with COVID. And that changed, obviously, the world forever. And uh, things got kind of pushed back for a while. And now things just seem kind of weird. And then they got a bunch of weird stuff has happened, which I know Kyle will address at some point. Um, but, yeah, we've got weird things happening. But there's lots of great things still happening. And obviously, The Mandalorian is... is uh, alive and kicking and it was great to get a a trailer it definitely wasn't the one that we were kind of hearing about you know with rumors about a certain Mm -hmm. character showing up but you know what we'll talk about that a little bit i don't know if that's good or bad i'm curious what you guys think about this but uh but yeah i either way i'm really excited it's been you know it's been hard for me to get excited about star wars recently just because of again i was really looking forward to the high republic to be quite honest and when they pushed that out that really bummed me out and then after the clone wars um Oh, I forgot. Yeah. How can I say stagnant after at the Rose of Skywalker when we got one of the best Star Wars storylines ever with, with uh, uh, Man- Siege of Mandalore? What am I thinking? Excuse me. After Siege of Mandalore, uh, things just kind of took, you know, we, we you had Celebration and the obviously the High Republic and then that got all delayed and canceled, whatever. And things have been really weird since then, to be quite honest. So, yeah. No, and, and to be fair, I mean, those few weeks that Clone Wars season seven was airing, especially the, the last four episodes, the Siege of Mandalore, I mean, 
that was a time when we saw the Star Wars fandom come together and just celebrate Star Wars and and really all be enjoying it in a way that we haven't seen in a while. But it felt like it didn't last that long. Like, you know, and now if you go on Twitter, you still see people dogging on The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker or whichever sequel trilogy movie they hate most. And um, I don't know. I, I wish we were all still just celebrating Clone Wars and Jedi Fallen Order and all that stuff. But we've got Mandalorian to look forward to now. Um, and yeah, this trailer's been a long time coming. Like you said, there, there has been kind of this weird lull, especially since Celebration got canceled. And uh, unfortunately, I don't know why they didn't decide to do some kind of virtual event like DC did and like San Diego Comic-Con did and, and all this kind of stuff where we still could have had all those Star Wars announcements and trailers and stuff all around the same time. Um, although I don't know. It seemed know like th to me anyway that they were kind of holding out hope until the last minute for Celebration to still actually happen. But by the time they decided to cancel it, it would have been too short notice to get like a virtual event all set up. I guess to take its place and get going before Mandalorian would air, but yeah, that's but just the way I think it happened. But I it probably like... could have made it work, but it might have been too like scrambling to get it all put together to have it be something worthwhile, I think. I think you could have at least made something happen, but I think you also could have like set that up as a contingency plan. Like start planning that and say this is what we're gonna do just in case. Um, and then maybe you don't need to. I mean, it's not like you need to pay for a venue to have people jump on their computer on Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. That's neither here nor there. We finally <laughs> got the Mandalorian Season 2 trailer, which, you know, was missing in action for a long time. And we were wondering, you know, what's the deal? When are we going to get it? We went through several NBA playoff games and Monday Night Football games, wondering if we were going to get it at halftime, and we didn't. Um, but we've got it now. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about it and uh, all the lack of surprise cameos and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I feel like this trailer did pretty much exactly what the trailers for season one did. It showed you a bunch of cool stuff. It got you excited for the season. I mean, I think it was definitely an effective trailer and and not a disappointment or anything by any stretch. But again, you know, we were wondering, like, oh, are they pushing it back? Like, we'd heard rumors, like, oh, they might be filming, like, some shot of Ahsoka that's going to be just in the trailer or something like that. Um, and there was none of that stuff. There's no Ahsoka, no Rex, no Boba Fett, no Bo-Katan, not even Moff Gideon with the Darksaber. Excuse me? No Boba Fett? You better change your tone, sir. <laughs> yeah, well... Discuss yeah, that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll <laughs> okay, okay. No obvious Boba Fett. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But um, yeah, I mean, we just see we see Mando, Grief Karga, Cara Dune. I like how it starts though with uh, basically picking up with um, you know just an opening shot of of Mando and the child, and it's got the armorer's words from the end of the last season. Um, talking about yeah. how they're a clan of two now and talking about the tales of eons past, talk about wars between Mandalore the Great and a race of enemy sorcerers known as Jedi. Um, and he says, you know, you want me to travel or travel the galaxy and deliver this child to a race of enemy sorcerers? And she says, this is the way. Um, and we do see one mystery character in the trailer who, as she's saying that, you know, the like uh, Mando kind of sees her through a crowd and then she disappears um, and there's been a lot of talk and speculation and, and wondering about who this mystery character might be. Um, and it's apparently played by Sasha Banks, who's like a, a WWE wrestler who also does acting. Um, and she's one of the people that we knew confirmed was going to be joining the cast this season. 
Um, and of course, people were speculating, you know, is that Sabine? Or there were people who thought it was Ahsoka. It's definitely not Ahsoka because she doesn't have the tattoos on her face. And, you know, you don't see like horns poking out from under the hood that she's wearing. Um, but yeah, I mean, could be Sabine, could be somebody else, could be a completely new character. I don't know. But um, at least the trailer seems to imply that that character is at least somehow tied into the Jedi. Because, you know, he sees her and then she disappears as they're talking about, you know, this race of enemy sorcerers and then it says this is the way. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think about uh, just that opening and that mystery character? Yeah, for me, when I first saw it, first off, when the trailer came out, it was such a shock early in the morning. I was not expecting to get that. I was getting ready for work. And then, as I always do, I got to check Twitter before we leave. <laughs> then I was scrolling through. I saw the tweet and then, oh. At first, I thought it was a tease for the trailer. Like, here's the date when you're going to be able to see it. This is what basketball or football game you're going to be able to watch it. But like, no, it's ready to go right now and watch it. Like, oh, shoot, better watch it. I may be a few minutes late for work, but it's going to be worth it. <laughs> it always is. Yeah. So kind of what you were saying, just going into it, I was excited, obviously, to see our first footage from the season, but wondering, are we going to get confirmation of the rumors we've been hearing about not even rumors they're more substantial than that like the trades reporting about ahsoka and boba fett being in it like are we actually going to get those confirmed so just going into the trailer was being excited for that also but um even though we didn't get that this trailer was still very very effective in getting me and i know a lot of others excited for season two for a bunch of various reasons and one of them is going to be for me anyway this mysterious new character who we're seeing in the shot as the armor is talking about the Jedi. And I do believe it is a new character. But to be honest, when I first saw it, I was watching it on my phone. It was very quick. So I first I thought we were they were revealing here that it's actually Fennec Shand who survived, which still might be the case. But just in her facial expressions reminded me of it looked like Migna Wei's her face or expression that she makes under that hood. I thought, oh, hmm. so she's alive. But then as I watched the trailer again, I could clearly see that it wasn't her. But I like the idea of how when we see her, obviously it's tying into what the armor is talking about, the Jedi, and just creating that mystery of what this character is going to be. Because one aspect that I think could be really cool that the season can go down is obviously Din Djarin from season one doesn't know a whole lot about the Jedi, referring them as sorcerers. And I think it's going to be kind of a conflict that he has wondering if they're someone to be, he could trust the child with. And this character she's in looks like it's a black cloak and obviously it's going to give you dark side and Sith vibes to it. And I think that could be something pretty cool where maybe since Din Jaren doesn't know what to expect from these sorcerers, if they're going to be good or bad. And obviously he might have kind of a negative outlook on them if the Mandal in the histories where they were at war with the Mandalorians. So if this character is actually someone who is as the dark side of the force, not necessarily a Sith, but maybe a dark side user or a Sith uh, follower and tries to seduce or lure Din Djarin into giving her the child, try to win his trust. But at the same time, knowing that, or she knows that, She's trying to hide the fact that she's with the dark side and at the same time trying to use Din Djarin's not, not, not being familiar with the light and dark, so to speak, that that could be the only look at the force in his perspective where it is something 
that he tries she tries to win his trust but in reality she, it's, she wants to have the child and use it for obviously her own evil game or whatever plan she has and that just causes Din Djarin to have this bad outlook on the Jedi in general and it's all force users to where if the rumors are going to be true where we're going to see Ahsoka in this season where it's going to be hard for him to trust Ahsoka when she is out to do what's best and look after the child if he's thinking of leaving it with her or just doing what's best for the child and containing him with the light side of the force but this character might not make that decision easy for Din if when if he encounters Ahsoka knowing that she kind of corrupted his outlook on just his view in general of all force users and it might be more reluctant to trust Ahsoka or even work with her just whatever to form an alliance with her which we would assume both of them being good characters and protagonists of the series that it's going to be not something that's going to be hard to earn for Din Djarin to earn the trust of Ahsoka so kind of rambling on here but <laughs> kind of just speculating as I go along with different possibilities of what can happen if this character is indeed someone who's more on the dark side and that just causes more complications for whenever uh, Din or encounters Ahsoka and those with the light side of the force and what's best for the child in that aspect. So that was one idea that I, I think the series can, or the season could go down where he thinks he's doing what's right for the child with this character, but mm -hmm. it ends up being someone with the dark side. And once he learns that just paints a bad picture for any other force user he encounters, which could include Ahsoka later on. Well, since we're not doing a shot by shot analysis, um, you know, my overall thoughts in this trailer are just it, it did the job it needed to do. It needed to do. It was something that I thought gave us more. It was more of what we got season one. And it felt but it felt different at the same time. So that's exactly what it needed to do. And it blew my mind in a sense to where, OK, is this looks consistent as far as tone wise, everything wise. And I think one of the biggest things that I didn't even think about just to literally, literally right now in my head just popped in. We're, we're getting different planet setting, settings. We're not just getting the same like desolate like areas that we got in Rebels all the time. And to be quite honest, in, in the sequel trilogy all the time. And also, also quite honestly, Mandalorian season one all the time. There was a there wasn't a lot of varying things in in the series and i part of it i think is storytelling what is kind of a, a story reason but part of it's definitely a budgetary reason and what one of the things i think it's obvious on this one is that either they have a little bit higher budget or they're out they're allocating their budget a little bit differently which I think maybe a little bit of both, to be quite honest. Well, um, I think or it's like the technology that they're using is improving. With that's true too. Well, I I think part of what it is, and we'll get to this in a second because we're we're also going to talk a little bit about the Entertainment Weekly article where they revealed some images and you know interviewed like the the creators and the cast and stuff, and they're talking about season two a little bit. And I think John Favreau mentioned, you know, they're they were able to allocate their budget a little bit differently because part of with season one they had to use a significant chunk chunk of their budget just setting up all the technology that they 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 came yeah. up with for this show and i mean if you've That's watched the, if you've watched the behind the scenes you know the disney gallery show on uh, disney plus oh, and seen so like good. the big like the volume that they created and all that kind of stuff like i'm sure they're still using that in season 2 obviously but like 
they had to pay to build that in the first place in season one. And like, that was part of their budget. So, um, yeah, I oh, think, okay. I, I think part, at least that was kind of how I interpreted it. It's basically like, you know, there's right. startup costs involved with just getting the show off the ground in the first place. And now that they've kind of found their groove, they can do a little bit more with it and they're not having to pay to create things from scratch. Um, and that's very much like Clone Wars, right? I mean, that's kind of what same thing happened. They had to, they, yeah. they had to create everything from scratch, and that definitely limited them because they had since they spent so much resources and time developing all of it. But then after they developed it, they had they could play with that a lot more and then develop it. And with that, they're able to get you know even though season one's a little clunky as far as looking wise and and motion wise, season two obviously gets a lot better. And then season three, it like goes like from like a a six, seven, you know, a solid six, seven to like a 10. And then it doesn't, it just goes to 11 after that. So, I mean, and, and, and for the record, people are like, why don't you read the entertainment weekly article? It, I don't read it because I, I'm, I'm right now. I'm so spoiler like phobic now that I don't even want to know anything. And so reading these articles, they usually spoil stuff for me. So if there's spoiler stuff in this coming forward from the, uh, from I, you know, from the guys, I, I may, I may even check out. I may not. I don't know yet, but they, I just kind of really, really nothing. To yeah, they really don't spoil anything. There's maybe yeah. one minor spoiler, but that's it's it's not even really a spoiler. Well, because so um, but, 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 but let me just finish this. Well, well yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get to that later. So I, I, yeah, I, I apologize. But there's nothing really spoiler quick. in there. Yeah. Well, but the reason why I don't, I also don't read it is because I want to try to save as much as I can for the show. And I think the more, the less I know and the less I spend time like diving into it as analyzing it from a, again, trailers are a little bit different. Like I want to watch that and it's more fun to speculate on what I'm seeing and like what I want, you know, what I'd like to have happen. And instead of like sitting down and analyzing an article and like, you know, going through all the images, I, I haven't even seen all the images. So I had no idea. The reason I bring all that up is I have no idea that, that they did that. And I was just kind of thinking like, that's probably what they did when well, they did. That's cool. But um, <clears throat> kind of wrapping up my just kind of general thoughts before we go a little bit deeper. I just think that everything looks like solid. It just looks great. And to be honest, that's what I wanted. And it like like can you said too, I think Tim on on uh, Twitter, is that it just seems like we're we're getting a continuation. That's great. Like that's what we want. And I yeah, I I love that we're we're getting this. And I also love like just seeing little things like like Baby Yoda knowing like the whistling birds that are going to come out. Like, and I love that part is part of my favorite part of the trailer. It's, it's so perfect. It felt, it just felt great. And, and also I, I, when I'm watching the Mandalorian, it was just really nice too, that everyone's excited about star Wars, but and they say everyone, obviously people had problems with the trailer afterwards, which whatever. Um, no, no, what, what I'm saying is it was, and I've talked about this a lot and I think I'm going to be really, really hitting this drum a little bit more as the years go on, as the second continues goes on forever, the three of us. Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, is this that the fact that we're getting a big story in star Wars, that's not the Skywalkers. And I really appreciate that. And because I think, again, the Skywalkers is just a separate kind of thing. And I like the fact that we're having a focus and a big and everyone's excited and it's a, it's a big focus. And I'm going to use my comic brain here. I know Tim kind of went off about the 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 kind of the darker, you know, the, the mysterious character from the the wrestler. Um, what she's playing. I'm going to kind of go off in my own little world, little little bit here too. Is I kind of think it's interesting that this 
this could be the way of no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> but but seriously, this could be a, a way for them to get Jedi after the rise of Skywalker and not have to have Ray a part of it. And what I mean by that is now, cause you know, cause obviously they're setting up the Jedi again and let's be real. Baby Yoda's going to Ahsoka. Like it's, it's happening. Like, I mean, come on. It's like, they're, 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 they're telegraphing it at this point, which I feel pretty good about. I mean, that wasn't like a big, I big wouldn't guess, say but. they're telegraphing it. Oh, dude, it's 100% telegraph. They're like, oh, we had to live to its kind. I'm like, oh, it's species? Jedi. I'm like, oh, okay. Right, they're going well, yeah, Jedi. no, like, obviously they're talking about Jedi, but who else is a Jedi in this time period? Uh, Luke, one and Luke that's Skywalker? It. Yeah, but it's not going to Luke. It's not going to Luke. And yeah, especially, I don't think, I don't think that's now, happening. Now, I don't think so either. That's, that's a dark horse pick, in my opinion, but I don't think the show itself is telegraphing Ahsoka. I think that's fan speculation and then obviously rumors uh, and stuff that we've well, heard that have been right. unconfirmed. Excuse me. Excuse me. How about this? It's it's not just shows not telegraphing it, but being as hardcore fans as we are, like, I feel they're te- like Dave Filoni being involved and and the fact that all the rumors, yeah, it's happening. Like, it's, it's I, I called it I, I kind of saw it when I kind of put, you know, baby Yoda thing in the very end. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's where they're going with it. Because yeah, it just, it made sense. It just felt like it was, that was a natural way. And the reason why I bring that up is that now you can then create with, between the rise of Skywalker and right afterwards is the rise of the Jedi. And Ray could be her own thing. Again, you can almost think like, again, there's a lot of different directions you can do with it. So putting my comic book continuity hat on, which Tim will appreciate here is that when now with assuming again, I'm assuming that this is what they're doing, which I think we all agree is probably going to happen. If you create baby Yoda and Ahsoka, you then potentially could create other characters around them being trained or whatever, not a lot, but a few kind of like what Luke was doing. And then the Jedi could rise from them with help of Rey later on if you wanted to bring her on. But you could have her be her own like, vigilante or just her own force thing by itself and kind of tell its own story eventually and not have to include Rey by also now having ba- the popularity with Baby Yoda and develop. Now, this is important. This is why I'm bringing all this up. The popularity of Baby Yoda, quote unquote, it, like he could, I don't want to say grow up, but get a little bit older where he can actually go on his own adventures. That could happen. You could speed up time a little bit or however much time that it would be. And you could have instantly people want to know like, what's happening with this Yoda character, what, what baby Yoda character or what his name. We'll find out what it is in this movie or in the show the season. You that Disney can then use this as a springboard for the new Jedi order instead of Ray, because of the, obviously we'll get into that later on in a, in a different episode of the current state of star Wars and the sequel trilogy and all that mm-hmm. jazz. But you now don't have to go down that road. You can, can go down the Ahsoka baby Yoda road and say, this is the new Jedi order and use that as the, the kind of springboard into the new ventures outside of the Skywalker saga after the sequel trilogy and not really have to acknowledge that, completely and just kind of have the Ray thing or whatever kind of lingering and have their own adventures from there. Well, really- I think Go ahead. that's kind of getting a little far ahead if you're thinking like for after the rise of Skywalker, but I, I don't think, I don't know that they're thinking that far ahead in terms of trying to establish a Jedi order 
that can exist well, separately of Rey after the Rise of Skywalker, because the sequel trilogy makes it pretty clear that she and Luke are the only Jedi around during that point. Well, and, that, but again, but but they don't. Here's the thing, though, Kyle. Like they don't. They don't acknowledge Baby Yoda either, and they don't acknowledge Ahsoka. But they well, they acknowledge Ahsoka in the Rise of Skywalker, and it sure seems like she's dead. But even uh, Filoni even said that doesn't mean she's dead. Oh, I know, I know. I'm just saying, uh, right, whatever but, 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 state but, she's in at that point, I don't think she's but, just off going on but, adventures but, with Baby Yoda. But the reason, yeah, but, right. But my point is that can still exist because I mean, for God's sakes, Luke was in a you know had only had like five Jedi training students at this point, you know. 10, 15 years later. My point is this, is that this gives Disney, because here's the problem. You want to, you want to, you want to continue the story eventually. Right. And with Daisy Ridley and the whole, you know, controversy of the sequel trilogy, that's going to be a road for them. That's going to be hard to go after rise of Skywalker stories and continue their stories. Again, unless you go my idea and do an animated series, but whatever. My point is this, is that you eventually are, are going to want to push the story forward. You don't want to just keep going in the past. You kind of want to go – to me, I think Star Wars is, gonna, is one of those things where they can go back and forth. They've already done it now, and they've had success going back and forth, and you've established that, and the fans weren't going to be jarred. And honestly, people are going to want to know, especially how popular Baby Yoda's character is, they're going to want to capitalize on it. And Well, okay, here, here's the other thing. I, I've got a couple thoughts on that. Yes, One – and bringing it back to the Mandalorian, I think I, I they've got a good thing going with this right now, and I I hope that season two is just mainly focused on pushing the story of the Mandalorian forward, and it doesn't get like Avengers: Age of Ultron syndrome of trying to do too much to like set up other stuff in the universe and like losing focus of its own story and what made the first part so successful. Um, also. As much as we're thinking that we're, you know, going to see Ahsoka at some point or even Luke or maybe some other Jedi, I mean, Cal Kestis from Jedi Fallen Order could still be around at this point, too. But thinking that this season he's going to hand the child off to a Jedi and be done with it, I'm not so sure that that's what we're going to see happen. Even if we do see Ahsoka or some other Jedi come into the story, like, we all thought going into season one that this show was just going to be about this cool Mandalorian bounty hunter going on missions and collecting bounties and that it was going to be kind of this more gritty action oriented Star Wars series. But I think the child provides this much needed like emotional core and like a heart and humor to it. That's always part of what Star Wars is. And this show still obviously has a lot of cool gunfights and, you know, Western inspired stuff and, and it's, it's cool, you know, bounty hunting uh, elements, but I think the, you know, having the child in there is part of what makes it feel like Star Wars and makes it still feel like, you know, this fun family entertainment as much as it also is this cool, gritty bounty hunting thing. And I don't know that they want to mess that up. Like, not, again, you could still have an interesting show with Din Djarin and, and the other characters, but... I don't know that they would want to break up that dynamic, especially this early on. Like, I don't know if they have a plan for how many uh, seasons the show is going to run. And I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I think they have said that they're already starting to write for season three. Um, and again, that maybe could be a, a big shift that they want to do and, and write that character out uh, so he can go be with Ahsoka or be with the Jedi or whatever. Um, 
But I almost feel like part of me feels like it might be a mistake, even though that's his goal is to get this child to the Jedi from a storytelling standpoint. It's like, why separate that dynamic if it works so well and it's so popular? Um, but then my other thought is if they do do that, if Ahsoka shows up in this season and by the end of the season, she's riding off into the sunset with a child and Mando is going off his way and, you know, the show is going to, uh, you know, take a different turn in future seasons, I don't think they would necessarily be setting up uh, a future show where we're going to see Ahsoka and some other Jedi and Baby Yoda all training together after the Rise of Skywalker. I think it would be, be more in the immediate term. I think it would be a setup for a Rebel spinoff series with Ahsoka and Sabine and the child going off to find Ezra that, you know, maybe they add it into to that show um, where Ahsoka now has this child in her care and maybe even their connection in this show, maybe they run into Ahsoka and Sabine somewhere out in the Outer Rim while they're out looking for Ezra and their their paths cross. Um, and so you kind of have the child segue from, from one show to another. Um, I definitely don't think that they're just going to write him out at the end of this show and then the next time we see him, he's like grown up more. Now, there are obviously endless possibilities for what they could do with this character. We could see him in Star Wars stories for years to come at various stages of his life. Um, but we've seen old Yoda before. We can kind of assume that adult Yoda is just like old Yoda, but with, you know, less wrinkles and gray hair. Um, but I think, you know, they. I think they can still get a lot more mileage out of uh, the child and what they're working with right now. So I think whether it's in the Mandalorian and they just keep him in this show for a long time to come or whether they transition him into the Ahsoka Sabine series and this is kind of like a backdoor pilot for that almost, um, I think that could be a lot of fun to see too. But I, those are kind of my two big speculations as far as what's going to happen with the child this season and going forward. Tim, I, I have a lot to this to respond to Kyle. So get in on this before I take over the next <laughs> 20 minutes. So please, please, please respond. No, I was I was gonna say how kind of you were talking about Kyle about the possibility if they will take baby Yoda out of the series moving forward. I originally thought that for season one, that he was only gonna be a character and the focus of the story for the first season and him because we were speculating in the first season about Ahsoka showing up there, and that's who uh, Din Djarin would leave it with. But after how the first season end and what was teased by his armor about the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda or trying to find his people and that being the Jedi, once that happened or when she said that, to me that became not the thrux of the first season, but the thrux of the entire series. Right. So I think the entire series is going to be about Din Djarin and Baby Yoda up until the final episode. And who knows, maybe, as I was talking about earlier, when he does encounter Ahsoka, and maybe he doesn't like what he sees or re learns about the Jedi and the Force and doesn't want to leave it with Ahsoka and decides to raise it and take care of it himself. And that becomes his new mission. That would be a different twist for a Force user where it's going to be trained by, some, not necessarily trained in the Force, but be raised and brought up by someone who is not force sensitive and who's a bounty hunter and maybe tries to teach him how to use the force in ways that benefits for what they're going to be as bounty hunters. He's going to train to be a bounty hunter more, bounty hunter more than a force user or a Jedi. So mm -hmm. that could be something that he could go on a totally different path where he doesn't become a Jedi or a force user, or he becomes a, he's a force user, but 
one that doesn't know how to control it very well and mm-hmm. tries to use it for if they if he grows up and he stays with Din Jaren and the bounty hunters and just whatever they decide to do in their lives, not necessarily having to do with becoming a Jedi or whatnot. So again, just different possibilities that could happen here because as fun as it is speculating all this stuff and thinking about the possibilities of where these characters can go, what usually happens is something different mm-hmm. and <laughs> expected than what we're thinking. So, well, um, yeah. well, and sorry, Paul, I would just want to jump in and respond to that real yeah, quick. Sure, you, uh, first of all, I totally agree with you, Tim, where I was also thinking that maybe by the end of season one, he was going to hand the child off to somebody. And when the armor gives him that mission, like you said, that doesn't feel like something that's going to be resolved in one more season. That feels mm-hmm. like this, like there's your storyline for the show. Like it's a, a bounty hunter with a force sensitive child in an era where there are no Jedi. And he's trying to find one to deliver this child to, to return it to its home and to its people. And, you know, traveling all across the outer reaches of the galaxy, trying to do it. You can build an entire show based on just that. So I'm not necessarily expecting that to just be resolved this season. Um, And like I said, maybe if it is going to tie into like the Ahsoka and Sabine series, instead of taking the child with her, maybe they do meet up with Ahsoka. She teaches him more about the Force and the Jedi and and maybe some pointers on how to raise this child, but says, hey, I'm about to uh, go off on this dangerous expedition into the unknown regions looking for an old friend and, you know, a potential dangerous threat to the galaxy. So that's no place for a child. So I'm going to have to leave him with you. And you guys already seem to have a good bond. And I know that you're not a Jedi or you, you know, you don't feel equipped for this, but, uh, you know, you, you two are going to have to figure it out, um, and sends him on his way. And then she goes on her way. And again, it could be sort of a backdoor pilot into an Ahsoka series that could be a follow-up to Rebels. But, um, yeah, I, I like the, the continuing Din Djarin and the child dynamic um so listen what you guys are all saying i would not be shocked if happened right like let's be real like i'm not saying like 100 is going to happen because i really thought they're going to get they're going to get rid of him which i didn't want to happen in the first season because he was such a great character and the, the dynamic between everything of all the characters together was great the one thing that I think that you're you maybe are forgetting is the fact that Bob Iger has already gone out and said like they're going to use the Mandalorian to spin off more characters and into different series. Well, yeah, but so that's exactly already... what we're talking about. Right, right, right. But the reason, but here's the thing: you have to me the Mandalorian could stand. The Mandalorian by itself doesn't necessarily need Baby Yoda because people were all excited for it before Baby Yoda was even it was going to be a, a success initially. And even to be honest, the, my favorite episodes are when baby Yoda is not really heavily involved or, necess- or not. I wouldn't say that necessarily, but um, it was my favorite episode. I think is definitely the episode two, which he's obviously heavily involved. Yeah. He's very heavily uh, involved in that one, but no, but, but I mean the, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the suicide squad episode, if you will, um, that episode, that's my second favorite episode. I freaking love that. And he's in that for like two seconds. And, um, and you could edit him out of that episode and it would be my, my second favorite still. Like I, it's, it's the dynamic of the underworld aspect and all the characters and the different, you know, things that are going on. 
that's the stuff I love about Star Wars. Mandalorian was kind of that's what Mandalorian was basically, you know, promised as that. Which again, it was I think, and you kind of mentioned it like we were promised this. I'm like, well, it was that. It just had way more heart than we were. I ever well, right, right. And I, again, I'm not arguing that they pulled a fast one on us. Like I said, no, 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 it no, still no, has yeah, all yeah. that stuff. But I think no, no, that I, I, I think you're saying. I think the child is what propelled it from a series that a certain Absolutely. group of Star Wars fans would find really cool to a global phenomenon that everybody loved. Like, yeah, I, would, I know well, people who aren't even Star Wars fans who love this show because of Baby Yoda. No, no, no. And, and that, yes. What I would say is if globally, if, if a global success was 11, which I think it is, then I would say I would, I was anticipating around a seven, eight. Like that's what I like around yeah. around that. Level no, and, and I would agree, but I think especially right. from a marketing and money making standpoint, if Disney's got an eleven on their hands, why would they want to go back down to a seven eight? Because the the thing is, it's Baby Yoda's image right now. Like, and you, they've been. I, I, I don't know if this is a, this is intentional. This is this is kind of stuff I love. By the way, I love discussing this stuff because there's so much. Because story, because you're talking, we're talking about commerce with storytelling, which let's be real, they don't always go hand in hand. Let's be honest here. And, you know, what that means is story decisions are based, you know, money drives the story at this point, unfortunately, to be quite honest. And it sucks. But the this is this is where I think the fun kind of lies. And when you talk about money driving story, this is where it gets interesting because we're now arguing or not arguing, we're debating and having a good discussion about where does the money more lie in? Because to me, you kind of serve two purposes with, and my point is this, what I was getting to was baby Yoda's face is all over star Wars shirts. And you see it with, with Mandalorian logos as well, but I see just baby Yoda and star Wars. Like there's just, it's all over the place. I own, Two baby Yoda shirts, or I own three now. One, um, and two of them are kid shirts that I could fit into. <laughs> and um, I should wear my baby Yoda shirt. What the heck? I'm wearing my Empire Strikes Back one. What am I thinking? Um, that being said, there is on uh, one shirt that says like "Wanted" and it's green and it's really cute. And the other one is a my favorite baby Yoda shirt. It looks kind of like an old school Star Wars shirt, um, but not really. It's all blue and it says Star Wars on it. No Mandalorian, and it's just like. That's it. It's just the child. And I don't know if that's purposeful to drive people to say, see the Yoda alien species and Star Wars and not the Mandalorian. Obviously, the Mandalorian's all over, you know, baby Yoda stuff and, you know, whatever, but Star Wars too. And I don't know if that's, and I don't think they're that, they're that well thought of or that uh, organized because obviously look at the sequel trilogy. Again, we'll get in that later in another <laughs> episode. But you get what I'm saying, though. Like, you don't have to have Baby Yoda in the Mandalorian to make the Mandalorian like, or have Baby Yoda have whatever. But my point is, you could put Baby Yoda in anything, and it's now at this point, like, he he will – his audience will go with him. And I think that with the Mandalorian, you don't need to have Baby Yoda to drive the Mandalorian. There's so many different stories you could tell, and that maybe it wouldn't have the big – I guess for me it's like – do you split that off and potentially have like even, uh, you know, have more stuff, more reason to keep uh, the uh, Disney plus shows or you know, keep your Disney plus subscription. If you're not the hardcore audience like me, because you already are invested in the Mandalorian. So if baby Yoda runs off to Ahsoka, 
and that ends that you know instead of canceling your subscription after mandalorian you're gonna wait for the ahsoka series that happens right afterwards you keep your money if that's what's driving you so again you're gotta think about these all these things together and that's where i i don't argue that at all that you don't want to mess with it and i i think that there is there's a truthfulness to that and I, I totally get it the only problem is is that i think baby yoda can instantly you can transition that into a Soka show and people are going to want to watch what happens. And you then are also, you know, you'll make Star Wars fans happy like us because we're seeing live action Ahsoka and those characters. You're also making the, you know, huge, massive audience be like, oh, baby Yoda, blah, blah. And you're also giving yourself an, you know, the outlet to expand the new Jedi order without having to use Ray necessarily either. So you're kind of like, you're killing two, like three birds with one stone essentially. Cause the Mandalorian doesn't need baby Yoda. In my opinion. I mean, I'm curious if you guys think, he, I don't think you guys think this, but maybe you do. I don't know, but, or maybe the audience does. And I'm curious what they think to be quite honest. But to me, splitting up the character, splitting up, splitting up baby Yoda, maybe not the end of this season, but even, but I, I think it's going to happen, especially the fact that Bob Iger said it, Ahsoka's coming into it. I think it's going to happen. And last season, I was a little surprised it didn't happen or it, you know, whatever, but at this, I'm glad it didn't. Cause I want, I would love their, their chemistry, but at the same time, I think the fact that Disney, especially, you know, not now, but like at that time, they're like, we, we have to utilize this character now. And we have a perfect way to segue into, like, you know, expanding more, you know, more uh, Star Wars series. And we can use this as a backdoor pilot, like you were saying, Kyle, to say, hey, Baby Yoda and Ahsoka and Sabine or whatever, whatever you know, they're going to do their own thing. That could easily, you know, people will go to that and say, oh, the, you know, and watch that series and keep their subscription. And that's the key here, because I, I go back to commerce. The money drives it. And the only reason why they would separate it, because if it wasn't for the, the the subscription idea, then you're probably right. They don't separate them until the very end of the series. But because you got to keep these people's subscriptions and you want to make all those people keep shelling out their money on this, because think about this right now, especially now uh, with COVID, uh, Disney Plus is like saving Disney almost single-handedly, mm -hmm. it seems like. So, I mean, like, seriously, like... Bob Iger looks like a freaking genius right now. The fact that he's, you know, he wanted so badly to put up this, this thing. And now he looks like he's, you know, a, he's got a time machine or something like that. You know, he's so he, he probably, he's that maybe soul of soul of devil to get, get this. I don't know. But that point is, is even more so you want to separate. And, and I'm not saying like COVID makes us make them do, made them do this or if that doesn't end up happening. But to me, it makes even more sense now to like, we need to separate baby Yoda from the series to like get it, to get a series going on that will be on top of the Mandalorian. So again, I think I appreciate you guys. letting me kind of go on about this. I'll, I'll just, my last piece will be that of you're, you're all absolutely right. I only think that commerce drives it. And the only reason we're going to get there, it's going to be a backdoor pilot with baby Yoda going with Ahsoka is one Dave Filoni and two, they want to keep those subscriptions happy and, what better way than to take Baby Yoda, the most popular thing in Star Wars right now, easily, and putting it into a different in different show of itself? And again, last thing I'll say also is, what better way and what what better way does does Disney or thing for them to have to go they can use in the future and say, hey, let's do a whole series based on this Baby Yoda character again. Well, yeah, but you you can do that. 
regardless of whether he goes with Ahsoka or not, because who knows where this character right. is going to be in 50 but, years. But, 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 but the, right. But the thing is now you've kind of like, you could establish other characters with him at the same time and build that way. I mean, again, I'm thinking from a storyteller standpoint, which again, doesn't, doesn't think about storytelling, I'm thinking from commerce. So what the hell do I know? Well, but I, I think, think they, they are thinking from, both standpoints. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, obviously Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy have a hand in the pot and they're thinking of what's going to make money. But obviously, I also think that because season one was so successful and obviously made them a lot of money, they're going to let John uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, like, they're like, hey, keep doing your thing because it's working. Um, now, here's the thing. Obviously, I, I was the one who first brought up the idea of, like, Ahsoka taking... Uh, baby Yoda off with her and that spinning off into its own show but I also I do think it's funny I, I feel like I was talking kind of just impossibilities but like I said I kind of my my main thought right now is I don't think they would want to split that up and like you you keep mentioning how Bob Iger said you know they could use this show as a springboard to to spin off other characters into their own series I don't think he's necessarily talking about the child because even like if he were to leave and go with Ahsoka that's it's not like that's the baby Yoda show. That's just him in an Ahsoka show instead of in the in the Mandalorian. I, and I think when you I'm have this when you have this that's established when you have this established relationship and this dynamic that really works. Because I think part of the reason like yes, obviously he's cute and his face is on everything and, and it's a character that people are really gravitating towards right now, but I think part of the appeal is the the pairing of this sort of unlikely pairing of this adorable child and this tough hardened bounty hunter and seeing him kind of find his his soft spot and, and find his humanity through his connection to this child and so i think that's a big part of what works for that character as well um and again like we said like you could definitely have the Mandalorian without the child and you could have a cool show about just bounty hunters and, and the, the sort of underworld and the outer rim and all that kind of stuff. But like, once you introduce the child, it's like, Oh, that's it. That's like, it, it just clicks. You're like, Oh, okay. That's what this show is about. And so I don't think they would be too quick to, um, to sever that. And again, maybe he does meet Ahsoka or some other Jedi along the way, maybe fairly early on like this season, but maybe the end game of the show, maybe, maybe we finally do actually see him deliver him back to like the planet of the Yoda people or something. I don't know. Um, so, but I, I think, I, I think there could be a longer game here where there's, you know, a, a continuing relationship between these two characters, and they could meet other characters along the way that could then segue off into their own uh, live-action shows or animated shows or whatever. Um, I mean, we could definitely see, like, we could see Hondo at some point, um, but also, you know, they could introduce new characters, too, that are popular enough to spin off into their own shows. I'm sure they've got lots of plans and lots of possibilities, but... Um, who knows? We're we're going way off into the season two speculation instead of just talking about what we've actually got in this trailer. Um, but this is all fun stuff. And all I can't this from just the first few seconds of the trailer. Right? Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> and we haven't even really talked about the first few seconds of the trailer. I mean, we just talked about some of the dialogue and, and that shot of the mysterious hooded figure who's actually really more like halfway through the trailer now that I'm kind of scrubbing yeah. through it. Um, well, and, 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 and just... 
again, I, I appreciate you guys kind of let me springboard because I think the part of this trailer's uh, allure is like kind of going back to you know our the trailer itself is the fact that you see uh, it's a heavy emphasis of the Mando looking for the the drop off the child somewhere and that thing. I, I don't know if I just don't know if that's a something that can be great for three, four seasons. I think it's a good I'd say two, you can get a, a good two, maybe three seasons out of it. But I, I would get old after a while. To me, it, it seems perfect for it just seems perfect for me. If there was a bit if that was the main emphasis of the show, then it at least for the season, it makes sense. I just don't know if it's a it's a good whole series because those shows think about back in the past like the fugitive and things like that like twin peaks even like it just i don't know i guess twin peaks is not a good example because they eventually reveal who laura palmer is killed by and then that it's a whole thing then forget that one but um no but like i guess for me is, is this episode or the seat this trailer is riddled with the emphasis of baby yoda and obviously again going back to what you said cal for good reason so it just to me, it just it just seems like I don't I'm just, I worry that how much that could go for another season. So because what we're seeing in this seems really freaking cool. So kind of picking back off of what we were talking about, like the fact we have that ice planet. I mean, we all I think we all probably have an idea of what this ice planet is. Yeah. <laughs> But I want you guys to say because I've talked too much. Okay, well, yeah, let's let's get back into the trailer and actually going through some of the stuff we see in here. Um, and we start off with a shot of uh, just a, a planet in space slowly turning, and the Razor Crest kind of floats into frame, um, looking all banged up like it's just you know gotten shot up in a space battle or something like that. Um, it's interesting because, well, first of all, I've heard a lot of people, at least one of the criticisms I've heard of this trailer is people say it seems like some of the locations or whatever seem too realistic. And I've heard people say like, oh, it's just like Mando goes to Earth or something like that, which I don't necessarily agree with. I mean, just because he's out on the water in a boat that kind of looks like a regular boat and we've got, you know, some snow and some desert and whatever. I think these all look like fairly Star Wars-ish locations. Um, or if nothing else, you know, we've only seen brief glimpses of them in the trailer, and I'm sure uh, it's not going to feel like super familiar when it, you know you're set there for a whole episode or whatever. I think the one location but... I've seen get that reaction most is after that opening shot is where he's in that city that kind of looks like there's some street lamps and some graffiti on the walls that <laughs> I think harken back to some real earth-like location well it's weird because i actually liked that because i feel like for a lot of season one he was either like just out in the middle of nowhere in deserts or whatever or like on space stations and stuff and so i thought it was kind of cool to see like a different looking city environment um oh definitely that's what i love about this trailer just all the different types of environments we're gonna get in this season this yeah it looks really exciting because yeah the, i i thought the it was scope just so much bigger yeah and I mean, I'm excited to see like where this city is. We don't know what planet it's on, but um, yeah, cool to see like this kind of seedy city environment. But it's funny, the the one shot that I almost thought did look almost jarringly like realistic was this opening shot of this planet because it looks like Saturn or Jupiter or something. Like for whatever reason, this didn't look like a Star Wars planet to me. It looks like a NASA photograph of like an actual yeah. planet. Um, <laughs> that Earth in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's weird because you see the Razor Crest come floating into frame all banged up. And I was like, man, I hope they don't 
destroy the razor crest because that's kind of like a trope that i feel like happens in like movies or video games a lot that um i don't know that like i i kind of feel is unnecessary like you have a ship or a, a, a whether it's a planet or a base or whatever that you kind of come to be familiar with in the first movie or the first season or the first game or whatever and then it's like they open up the second season by blowing it up mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a way to kind of throw you off or throw you in the deep end like oh okay no one's safe or we're we're far from home now or whatever like they do the it kind of reminded me of mass effect 2 where they blow up the normandy right at the beginning yeah. of the game <laughs> um which is fine but you know that game came out 10 years ago so i'm like okay i, I kind of hope they're not doing the exact same thing with uh the mandalorian um sorry if i spoiled mass effect 2 for anybody but uh that's that game has been out for a while but it's awesome you should still play it if you haven't um that's my favorite video game series of all time but um yeah so i mean we see you know like i said the razor crest looking all banged up and then there's a shot later on where there's a, sh a ship that it's kind of hard to tell but it looks like it might be the razor crest and it looks like it's burning up through an atmosphere so um i hope we don't lose the razor crest it's, it's a cool ship i like it or if we do it gets a massive upgrade yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> we get the razor crest sr2 yeah um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, then like I said, we get that shot of uh, Mando just kind of walking out of the darkness and the reveal of the child next to him. And you hear all that dialogue from the armor and stuff. And then him walking through that city, you see uh, Tatooine, um, at least I'm assuming it's Bantha. Tatooine because we, we get uh, uh, sand people on Banthas this time. So, um, And then, of course, him flying towards like a canyon on this uh, ice planet that Paul was just talking about. And I think, obviously, the, the prevailing theory here is that it could be Ilum, which would be really cool to see in live action um, mm. and would totally make sense if he's going around looking for uh, evidence of the Jedi, um, you know, where better place to go. I mean, I'm sure, well, we don't actually know what happened to, like, the Jedi Temple on Coruscant um, and if that's still around. But um, yeah, as far as, you know, places where Mando would go out in the Outer Rim places that are are hidden or, or secluded or something that he might just kind of come by makes total sense that he would end up going to Ilum. So I hope that's where it, that is. I think that would be really cool to see, but um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. I really hope it is too. And for a few reasons, first off, it looks really cool. It doesn't feel like, Oh, it's just another ice planet. Like you're on Hoth again, but mm -hmm. the fact like he's going through some ice caves, which, we really haven't seen too much in Star Wars besides the Wampus Cave in The Empire Strikes Back. I just love that look visually for an environment when it's you're in ice caves. And if he actually does go to the Jedi Temple that was on Ilum, to see that in live action with some kyber crystals, if there are any remaining that the Empire hasn't um, took away from the planet, because we know the Empire did a, did a lot of damage to Ilum to yeah. where it almost becomes unrecognizable, somewhat at least out of atmosphere. I think it was made reference in the Ahsoka novel where she looks at it and just is shocked by the and stunned by the damage the Empire caused by it. Oh, is that in the Ahsoka novel? I'm pretty sure it was. See, I don't my, even my memory I'll serves have to go me back right, and read but... that then. I don't remember that being mentioned in there. But it's interesting because it's in Jedi Fallen Order. Um and so because you've be, you've finished that game, right? Oh yeah. Well, did you after you finished the game? Did you ever go back to Ilum? I don't think I did. So if you, because obviously, like you, and 
spoilers for anyone that hasn't played Jedi Fallen Order. Mild spoilers. This isn't really story stuff. But you do go to Ilum later in the game um, to find a lightsaber crystal. And the first time you go there, when you see the, like, just the cutscene of your ship coming out of hyperspace, uh, you just see, you know, the planet looking normal and covered in snow and all that. And you go in, you get your lightsaber crystal, you build your lightsaber, and then you come out and the empire is all over the place and you, you kind of come out a different way than you came in and you're in this trench where the empire has all this machinery and equipment and stuff um and it's kind of this triumphant moment because you've just built a new lightsaber and you get to like kill a bunch of stormtroopers and there's like heroic music playing and it's basically like a just a, sort of a playground for you to test out your new lightsaber and just kill waves of stormtroopers but also if you look around it's like dang this you know this planet that we know as like a sacred site to the Jedi, like the Empire is kind of tearing it up. Well, if you leave Ilum and then you come back, when you see the cutscene of your ship coming out of hyperspace, you see the trench uh, around the planet that's like, like it looks like Starkiller base just without the big mm -hmm. laser thing in the middle. But it's like clearly, you know, you see where they've been digging it out and stuff. So, yeah. Well, we um, know that's what it becomes eventually. Well, right, right, right. I'm just saying that was kind of. I know it, it's been in some other sources, but that for me was like when I played Jedi Fallen Order for the first time, that was the first official confirmation that I had seen where you're like, oh, that's definitely Starkiller base. Um, and so that would be it would also be interesting to see in that regard in Mando season two, because this is I mean, obviously, like Jedi Fallen Order is only five years after Revenge of the Sith. This is five years after Return of the Jedi. Um, and obviously, you can't really see anything in that one shot if it was Ilum. Um, he's obviously on an area that's been kind of untouched, but I'm sure you would probably see that as well um, if he goes there in the show and, and kind of see what it looks like now in the state that it's in. And then maybe that could even have some further tie-ins to maybe hinting at the rise of the First Order or, um, I mean, we don't Which really know. John Favreau did tease we might get a little, like, hints and a little more details about the the origins or the rise of the first order here and there in this season. So that yeah, could be one I mean, of that would be a really cool way to tie it in. We don't know yet at this point. I mean, aside from just knowing that the, um, obviously the empire has been defeated and you've got these just Imperial remnants and warlords kind of scattered around. We don't really know what the official state is of like, you know, the empire retreating and the first order rising up and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely would be cool to get a little bit of that tied in as well if this is indeed Ilum slash Starkiller base. And this could be the spot too where we do see Ahsoka in the series because she could have went back there for uh, for reasons that to try to restore the sanctity of the Jedi Temple that she's always lost when the Empire took over. Yeah. And this could be, that's why I'm wondering the reason why didn't and the baby Yoda go there? Is it because just to, they know that Jedi Temple's there and that's what he's searching for, Jedi? Or does he get specific information about a particular Jedi to look out for? And while he doesn't know it's Ahsoka yet, that ends up being who um, that character is. And one of that character's known location was Ilum. And that's what he goes there for, to find that specific character and ends up being Ahsoka. So I just think there's too many cool possibilities and ties that that's no planet is Ilum <laughs> and where I would actually kind of be shocked now if it wasn't Ilum once uh, we get revealed to where exactly uh, he goes in that episode whenever we do see it but um, it just looks cool regardless from what we've seen and if it actually is Ilum and we get to go into the Jedi Temple and some of those kyber crystal caves 
boy, that's going to be amazing to see in live action. <laughs> so here's really hoping that we they really go into what Ilum's all about in the episode if it does in fact indeed be that planet. Well, I don't see why it wouldn't be, because um, you you then if you're if you're Favreau and and you're Dave Filoni, you're like you know Dave Filoni obviously was a big contributor to Ilum, even though obviously the Jindy series went there before he did, but obviously Ilum was a George Lucas driven kind of a thing. So in fact, it's, it's driven by, it's you know, kind of created and driven by George and Dave's tied to that and, and everything. And we haven't seen it on screen besides now we know Starkiller base, which is, I, it's kind of cheating. If that makes any sense. Like it's not really Ilum because we just see it as a completely different entity entity, excuse me. So this would be a good kind of bridge if you will, yeah. kind of like a, a nod to the future and a nod to the past at the same time. And also, and obviously a giant Easter egg for fans of any kind of media, whether it be the Fallen Order game, which was awesome, whether it be the Clone Wars or Starkiller Base, you can really do both and kind of serve all those purposes and kind of be in that bridge, which the Mandalorian essentially has become. Or maybe it was always intended to be, I don't know. So... So yeah, I think that's a really exciting like thing. Um, yeah, I, I kind of I'm 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 for one thing it's gonna be Ilum, and I think the it'll be cool to see the lightsaber aspect or that addressed maybe of why Starkiller Base is there in the first place slash why you know maybe going to Ilum everyone told them to go to Ilum because that's where you know the force is drawn there and then they're it's completely is bare you know so there's lots of interesting aspects to that and um and just like think about like i, I think about dramatically taking the mandalorian and the child there and they're thinking like you know and, and the, the regular fans are set up like oh they're gonna find there and we already know that like, this is not gonna be good because we already know they're gonna find nothing and i think there's a there's a lot of drama and dramatic like tension with that because you know, it's going to lead to a dead end where it might set up the mainstream audience to be like, they're going to drop them out. They're going to find someone. And then they're not going to find it. Maybe they'll find someone, but it won't be. They'll tell them like, yeah, this is, this is place is dead. You, you know, maybe they find the stormtroopers and then they end up to, or uh, an agent and that agent's a guest celebrity appearance, which, which has been kind of like a, a thing we've gotten a little bit in the Mandalorian, you know, with all these different kind of character actors showing up in random episodes you know, like comedians and things like that. You could have like one of those, uh, you know, it's one of those roles in the series where it's kind of this rando person like, oh, yeah, it's that blah, 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 you know, like Bill Burr or whatever. Not say it's Bill Burr, but, you know, something like that. And then they have to explain to the audience like, yeah, like this is this place is dead now. So there's a lot of different aspects you could do with it. And I think I think it just would be a cool kind of nod. It's, it's one of those things where it's. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the fans. But those are the things that are really make us get ex- even more excited about the show and, sh- you know, shill out more money for the merchandise. So give me what I want. Yeah, well, and obviously that's one scenario where that would obviously not just be fan service, but would totally make sense for the story. Like he's looking for remnants of the Jedi Order. That would be a perfect place to go. Um or at least, I mean, it would make sense that he would think that's a good place to go. Obviously, we know there's probably not much there anymore. But um, especially if you're starting from nothing and don't really have anything to go off of, like, couldn't hurt to at least check and see if there's any clues or information there or anything. So, 
Um, definitely would be something cool to see if that is Ilum. Um, like we said, you know, you see some other environments in this trailer too. You see Mando like out at sea on this like I don't know cargo barge looking thing. Um, I don't know why. Just such a cool visual. I I love <laughs> seeing the Mandalorian out on sea and just yeah, kind of this rinky dink old ship, but just some not something we haven't seen ever in Star Wars, and but yet. It feels right seeing it here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like something cool we haven't really seen much of. Like, I mean, we've seen obviously like in Rise of Skywalker, Ray goes out on the water in that little like skimmer thing. But just seeing a character like on a boat with a bunch of other characters, like basically kind of seeing like the Star Wars equivalent of, I don't know if this is like a passenger ferry or a cargo ship or whatever. But even like there's a shot of it from the air and you can see it's got like... uh like repulsor engines or whatever you call them on the back of it um you know blue glowing engines like you would see on a starship or something so it's obviously like still a very like star wars eyesed version of something that we're obviously very familiar with um in the real world and this is maybe something else where people thought oh this looks too much like earth or whatever but i think this is cool to see like we haven't really seen a star wars character just kind of out at sea on a boat before mm-hmm. um and of course i'm sure it's gonna you know there's gonna be a bunch of aliens and stuff on board and and stuff to make it still feel like star wars so um i'm excited to see what that's all about and there's a lot of quarren on the docks leading up to him going on that boat so i'm wondering if this actually is mon Cala. Ooh. I like that idea too. Hadn't even thought of that. Because we know Mon Cal is a pretty advanced planet, especially at least the part um, that was ruled by the Mon Calamari. So I wonder if this is something what's a different part of the planet or just over the course of the war with the Empire, this really become not what it once was. And it's is more of kind of a poor planet where those inhabitants are struggling to survive in one of the ways is this is kind of the section where Din Djarin and baby Yoda are at here. But like I said, that's when he's at the part where you see him at the port, there's just tons of quarren there. <laughs> so that's what this made me think right away that this could be possibly Mon Cala or a portion of it that we haven't really seen before. Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, and then of course we see uh, some more X wings, you know, there's a shot of them like flanking the razor crest and then a really cool shot where, uh they're like flying through the clouds on a planet now it definitely looks like the x-wings are chasing him um but we don't see them shooting at him so it could be like all three of them you know racing to a certain point together but it it definitely has that vibe of like it being a, a chase scene and i mean keep in mind obviously like as much as uh and it's din jaren i just keep calling him mando is like our protagonist in the show he's still kind of and like we know he's got a heart of gold and has a soft spot for the child and everything but he's still an outlaw and kind of morally gray and so i think it would make sense to see that even though he's fighting the empire he could also maybe end up on the wrong side of the law with the new republic as well and end up kind of mm-hmm. being at odds with them so um you know that would be I really think cool it's... to see and seeing a dog fight with x-wings especially through the clouds like over a planet that's obviously gonna be really cool to see too i I, to be honest i think it's gonna be one of those things where we're gonna see both we're gonna see him initially they're gonna fight him and they're gonna be stopped and then there's gonna be like a team up kind of a thing because you would have to think that he would risk going to the new republic to bring baby yoda and maybe he goes to like a small encampment of new republic whatever to kind of talk to someone about it maybe looking for luke skywalker and they're like you know luke skywalker is no longer part of the new republic he's off on his own thing and we and and we don't know where he is he doesn't want us to know where he is and he's like crap 
you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's a, you know, a, a idea as well. So, and then they have to team up for some, you know, because we're running to the Empire attack. Why don't you team up with us, Mando? And it's like, yes, this is exactly like a comic book would make it work out, you know? <laughs> so, uh, which you know what I'm talking about, Tim. So, uh, one of those yeah. things, um, which again, like that'd be rad. Like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's freaking rad. I'd be all about that. But that's where I kind of go with. I think there's going to be a little bit of both. Because, like you said, Kyle, he's so ambiguous as far as, like, he's not really for the New Republic. He's not really against it either. So he's just kind of, he's doing his own thing. And that's kind of the the beauty of the Mandalorian is that he's not an evil character. He just doesn't, he just, he's more concerned with making his life right opposed to the galaxy right. And I, to be honest, there's a lot of people out there that are like that. And it's relatable and I understand it. So, yeah, there's. There's a lot to be said with that, but I don't think that he's going to be an enemy of the New Republic either. I think it's going to be a misunderstanding kind of a thing, and then he just kind of goes, oh, listen, I don't really believe in your ways, but let's team up and fight the Empire for this 20 minutes. And it's like, okay. you know. So, I mean, something like that's probably going to happen, which, again, is fine. To be honest, I thought the uh, my, my second favorite episode, the prison episode, was a great, great way of, of showing the New Republic and the X-Wings, and, and mm. to be honest, in a very... <laughs> In a very casual way. So hopefully, well, and, it's just and like even that. even and there, yeah. like I like I like when they kind of play in those gray areas because that episode it wasn't a thing where like Mando was enemies with them at first and then they reconciled and became friends. It's like they were they were yeah. attacking to to try to resolve that prison situation, and he just took their tracker and stuck it in the you know the space station of the guys that double crossed him, and then just pieced out and let them destroy each other without really resolving anything with the new Republic, you know? So it's not like, Oh, I didn't like you, but now I like you. It's just like, Hey, I'm just letting you guys do your thing, but I'm like using you to my advantage and just kind of navigating this political landscape without really being a part of it. Yeah. Real quick, Paul, you mentioned it about Mm -hmm. Luke and that was actually something I didn't really think about until you said it, where I'm not expecting Luke to be in this season or this series, but it wouldn't make sense for him to be referenced because if Mando is on the search for the Jedi, it's most likely and logical for him to at first listen to the more recent stories or information on a Jedi, which at this time, the legend of Luke Skywalker is growing more than ever after the defeat of the Empire. And those in the Rebellion who are close to him know that he was a Jedi, that kind of that story being passed down from others and talked about and just that legend and legacy of Luke Skywalker growing here he would probably get wind of that and that might be his first inclination and direction to and lead to follow on. But as you said, those maybe that would be in the know of Luke's whereabouts turns out being a dead end where he's out in the, out in his own in the galaxy searching for different Jedi relics and no one knows where he's at right now. So it would be something cool to hear that acknowledge where that would be kind of be his first lead or to ch- kind of check out before he has to investigate it's kind of some of the older Jedi temples that that is a deep Ilum and all that type of stuff. But first, his first lead being Luke and just having that be referenced, I think would make a whole lot of sense. It's just kind of a cool little nod as far as, you know, referencing a legacy character and just at this point in the timeline where we're at in the galaxy, how that would, he would be someone a lot of people would still be talking about, even though it's a few years after return of the Jedi, but you know what such a huge impact Luke had on the war, obviously. So that would be some information that a lot of people probably would 
be talking about and Mando would get wind of that. So, oh, I just thought of it, as you mentioned him, where it could be a possibility where we'll not see Luke, but hear him possibly be mentioned in the season, which would be very cool. Yeah, but see, I, I think, I do I do think that's a possibility and I think it would be very cool, but I also think, like, if not just Din Jaren, but, like, all the Mandos in the first season talk about the Jedi like, oh, they're these you know, mystical sorcerers from eons past who fought Mandalore the Great when they fought across the galaxy in the Clone Wars like 30 years ago. And so, like, if they're not aware of Jedi from that, what are the odds that they're going to hear the stories of this one Luke Skywalker guy and more to the point and actually realize that he's a Jedi? Well, that's the thing is because we know Mando knows the Jedi. Now, that's that's kind of what he's searching for. And as he's learning more about him and information – he comes across the information about Luke. And since he is obviously the most recent Jedi during this time period, it would be likely that that's the information those people are going to give him across the galaxy from just the events that have happened in the recent history. Yeah. Not that he's actively searching for him, but that's the name that he comes across first and tries to follow up on a lead like that. Right. No, I'm just saying even for like the average citizens of the galaxy, I think this show is kind of making it clear that regular people don't really know who or what Jedi are. Um, and you kind of see that in the Clone Wars as well. Like, I, I think they kind of made a point of that in, like, the Darth Maul... <clears throat> sorry, the Darth Maul episodes in uh, Season 5, like, when him and Savage go attack that space station and then Obi-Wan's there investigating and the, the maintenance guy is like, what were those, a couple of Jedi or something? Like, you know, mm. they had red lightsabers instead of blue ones. And so... You know, it's like, I'm just thinking Mando's not going to walk into some bar and ask, like, hey, does anybody know if there's any Jedi around? And people are going to go, oh, yeah, Luke Skywalker, he's the last Jedi. Like, you know, I'm sure people have maybe heard various things or maybe have heard Luke's name, like, as a war hero or in connection with the Rebellion or whatever. But it's going to be interesting. Like, I think, and I think it'll be fun to see Mando kind of discover that kind of stuff uh, through the eyes of someone who, like, has no idea what the Jedi are. Yeah. Um. You know, and and learning about the Force and about these ancient sorcerers and and stuff like that, and then see who he comes in contact with and what he hears and what he finds out. Yeah, definitely. Um, but then, um, yeah, obviously we see more shots of him like back on Tatooine on, or it looks like Tatooine on on speeder bikes. Um, we see yeah, that's another big thing that's getting talked about a lot, and it's hard we'll see to that tell for last. Let's save that for last. Yeah. Well, no, no. Let's 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 go into it right now while we're on it. What do you got? Hold on, hold on. Okay. All I've seen is people looking at like I've seen the screenshots that people have posted where the back of the speeder bike looks like Boba Fett's jetpack, and his helmet's right next to it. And like (laughs) I said, it's hard to make out when you're watching just the trailer. Yeah. Normally. Because yeah, I didn't notice that when I first see, watched yeah, it. Yeah, I'm but... looking at it right now. I'm like, I don't see a helmet. It's 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 there. The helmet is like... harder to notice than the jetpack. Yeah, yeah and, sure. And I don't even, I'm not even 100% on the helmet, to be honest. But it's there. That it's back sure definitely looks like the jetpack. <laughs> it's the reason. And again, the reason why, if you look at the stills, it's obviously there. Like, I because I'm like, oh, the jetpack, okay, whatever. But then someone circled the helmet. There's a There's a helmet. It's, it's it's either Boba Fett's helmet or it's a beat up Mandalorian helmet right next to a jetpack that looks exactly like Boba Fett's. I mean, 
walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, probably a duck. I mean, let's be real. And he's so, pretty much in the duck pond on Tatooine right there. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think, and to be quite honest, this this just oozes out Dave Filoni, like, let this put out a picture of They're probably going to, like, stop it. They're going to see it. I'm going right to laugh so hard at all of you guys when the show comes out and that's just the back of his speeder bike. Dude, hey, you fine. I don't care. I'm looking at it again I'm right now, saying. and I'm like, it's one of those things where, like, it's like once you mention that, it's like I can kind of, like, I can make out the part that looks like a jetpack and the part that looks like a helmet, but it's also, like, so blurry and moving so fast that it's like, it could just be the back of the speeder bike. But I definitely yeah. think the episode yeah. where it goes back to Tatooine has to be the Boba Fett episode. Oh, I don't, I don't disagree with that. And it, to but, me, it just—I mean, just looking at that one shot and just seeing the different screenshots of people online that have traced out the outline of the jetpack and the helmet—it just gets me excited about the possibility of what the story of this episode could be, of Din Djarin kind of not necessarily teaming up with Boba Fett, but helping Boba Fett get his armor back. I think it'd mm-hmm. be a really cool story. And um, there's been speculation and rumors about possibly. Uh, that character from the aftermath interlude who c- kind of became that sheriff wearing the Mandalorian armor that everyone, myself included, was assuming was Boba Fett that he purchased off some Jawas who came in uh, contact with it. Um, I forget his name, but there's been reports or not reports, but rumors and speculation that that might be the character, Timothy Oliphant, who's going to be in the season might be playing. So if they incorporate that, element one of the few good elements in aftermath (laughs) into the series i think that could be pretty cool and just but even if they don't go that route just the idea of din kind of helping boba fett out reclaim that mandalorian armor uh to get it or maybe he's not doing it for boba fett maybe he just sees that armor and feels he should have it and if it's kind of just being used by someone who doesn't appreciate it or just finds it kind of lying around somewhere he wants to uh take it in, polish it back up, get it back to respectability, but then somehow encounters Boba Fett and learns that it's his. But I'm kind of hoping it goes more the route where he's helping Boba Fett get it back. And that could be the start of a relationship between those two characters, kind of the mentor bounty hunter and the protege bounty hunter, so to speak, even though um, Din Djarin has been doing it for a while. Um, Season one, kind of made it clear that he isn't the most seasoned bounty hunter just yet. And if he can kind of become even a greater bounty hunter with the help of Boba Fett, that would just be amazing because you all know how excited uh, we are, especially uh, me and Paul, once we heard that news of Temi Morrison being back in that role. And there's been talk about it could be Boba Fett or a clone trooper, but um, that tease we got in season one and just some of the other hints we're getting, I'm banking more that, his role is going to be Boba Fett in the season, and it's it's going to be a highlight of the series and yeah. the season oh, without definitely. a doubt once it happens. Well, so. and, and and for the record, the the guy playing the so supposedly the guy from you know, the sheriff, or whatever that has the Boba Fett armor, he's a he's a pretty well known like actor in Hollywood. So he's not like, he's not like to say small time actor. Like he's kind of a big name. So and you know he's probably would have fun doing Mandalorian, but he's probably not going to be in it very much mm. either. You know, it's yeah. like, it's, it's very, so I would not be shocked if he was only in one episode and it was a, it was like a thing where it was going back and forth between 
him and the Mandalorian on different planets are se- again totally separate, and it's you're like, why are we sh- or why are we seeing this guy? And then at the very end, he gets killed, and it's and it's we find out it's you know Boba Fett himself, Terra Mo- Morrison. I can't really say his first name. Sorry, uh, say Morrison uh, is one that you know shows up as Boba Fett and kills him, and that's the last scene of the episode where it's him driving off with his armor, or that'd be pretty dope. To be quite honest, I mean, that's a great, you know, kind of great thing. And like you said, Tim, that was probably the, the best part of, of Aftermath was kind of seeing like this whole sheriff kind of vigilante on Tatooine kind of a thing. And it would be kind of cool because, again, like I like the idea of continuing from the books and using that continuity and going, OK, yeah, these books sucked. But what can we do to like, make this like actually work? You know, or yeah, we, what's the continuity right now? Oh, someone else has the armor. Well, let's find a way to get it back. And let's yeah. turn it into a good story. That to me is utilizing the continuity to your advantage. And again, it's a old, it's a good old comic book trope, if you will. And I love it. So if that's, again, we don't know for sure. It looks like it's going to happen. And if that's the case, then that's really, really cool. And I think it's going to be a fun thing for fans to be like, what happened? Because anytime you can, I think, in my opinion, uh, you expand the mythology of your brand. You expand the people's mythology, you know, I, you know, their, their inquiries and saying, Oh, I should, this is from a book. Well, that's interesting. And yeah, maybe the mainstream audience isn't going to want to buy that book necessarily, but there'll be a good small niche audience that will, and that will drive up, you know, more people to invest in your greater mythology, which is always good to invest in your brand. Right. You would think, <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So I mean, and obviously that's another thing that's been heavily rumored for this season, not confirmed one way or another in the trailer. But looking forward to to seeing how that all plays out too. Um. And then of course, like I said, we've got uh Grief Karga and Cara Dune showing up again in here. Um. We've got some cool shots of the Imperials, and this is something I'm well, really excited for do. this season as well. <laughs> is just learning more about. Moff Gideon and his Imperial faction and what he's after the child for. Um, and Giancarlo Esposito had some really interesting things to say about that in uh, that article that we'll talk about in a second. Um, but, you know, you see some more of these TIE fighters taking off the ones with like the wings that fold down when they're landed. And you see stormtroopers running through the hallway of what looks like a Star Destroyer. Um and then some scout troopers on speeder bikes, like leaping off this platform. So cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> Might've been my favorite shot of the trailer. Not going to lie. <laughs> Just seeing the scout troopers utilize speeder bikes. Like we've never seen before. It just looks awesome. I just love that shot so much. And just hopefully none of them don't crash while making that high jump <laughs> into that Canyon there. Cause it just looks so cool. And they're just, Hopefully we get a cool active sequence with some scout troopers. Um, maybe they're chasing Din Djarin, maybe they're chasing someone else, but this looks like to be just a really cool sequence and seeing a speeder bike chase, not like Return of the Jedi, and just be utilized a little differently because it looks awesome. Oh, definitely. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, we're getting close to the end of the trailer here. I know we said we weren't going to go th- shot through shot, but I'm, I'm just kind of scrubbing through it here on YouTube just to pick out stuff we want to talk about again yeah here at the end you see him walking into like these ice caves with the child and it definitely looks like ilum especially like it looks like it could be right out of uh jedi fallen order um so definitely looking forward to seeing that and then it ends on this scene here of uh him sitting with a bunch of aliens watching this like 
it's like a boxing match, except with Gamorreans swinging axes at each other. <laughs> um, so again, just more cool, more of these cool like CD underworld elements. But then, all right, of course, I need to talk about this. All, this all is- these guys stand up and pull guns on him. Uh, and probably the best shot of the trailer when the child looks over at Mando, sees all this stuff going on, sees his, it's, zooms in on a close-up of his wrist as the uh, the whistling birds come out, and Baby Yoda's like, oh, yep, I know what that means, and he hits the button on his own little crib thing and closes the door. Um, and then it's just dark, and you hear the noise of Mando knocking all these guys out and everything, and then, uh, you know, it just cuts to one last shot of him throwing a knife into one guy's chest, and he just says, this is the way. Um so obviously gonna be plenty of cool Mandalorian action in there as well with some nice little comedic moments from uh, the child. So that was a really cool and effective way to end it, I thought. So the Gamorreans fighting just makes me giddy. <laughs> I knew it would. <laughs> yeah, 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 Tim knows. Tim knows. I am a big Gamorrean guard fan. Like we're talking big. I love Gamorrean guards and they just such an underappreciated alien race one, but two just not utilized that much in star Wars after return of the Jedi. It really bothered me. We never got him again. Like, in fact, it pissed me off a little bit and, of Clone Wars. No, Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I was really appreciative of that in Clone Wars. It was great seeing him again and it made me happy. I mean, this goes for George, too. I, I don't like the fact that he didn't incorporate more, you know, aliens like from Java's Palace specifically into the, you know, the prequels. But then and again, in the sequel trilogy, that goes, you know, I get sick of the fact that all we got was, you know, different aliens, you know, that, that didn't look very good. But anyway, um, for the most part. Um, so and, and they don't show up in row one. You know, solo, I felt like maybe it would have had one, but not one. Come on. And the fact that we got a tease of the Gamorrean guards from Dave, uh, not Dave, but John Favreau back in the day at that great, great sculpture. And then you're like, oh, what does that mean? And then you see it. It's, it's basically a boxing match with vibro axes. <laughs> oh, come on. God, it's, it's, it's up my alley. And seeing that was so cool, man. That was. Oh, I just love that. That that to me is just I, I know it sounds stupid, but that. That image right there just shows you how in tune the team of the Mandalorian, and I say team meaning everyone involved, but the team of the Mandalorian just shows you how in tune they are with everything. And it really is impressive how they are, they've incorporated things and they're able to really give us what we want and just make everyone happy and also just make Star Wars even more Star Wars, which is great. And it's just great to get that finally. So um, I was excited and happy, and I know it, again it's as stupid as two Gamorreans like fighting with with axes in a boxing ring kind of thing. That to me just shows you how much Dave and John, the team, get it, and how this is the spirit of Star Wars. And without having to be like, let's just do everything again. But anyway, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> What was that whisper, Paul? I didn't quite hear it. <laughs> and again, no, I like the sequel trilogy, but go ahead. No, I know exactly what you mean. Even though seeing those two Gamorrean guards fight each other, I was I didn't get the same reaction you did, but at the same time, I realized how cool and unique that is because when John Favreau sent out that tease image, 
definitely wasn't expecting it to be for them to be used in the way that they're going to be in a boxing, fighting, wrestling match type thing in Star Wars. So it is cool they're using different ways uh, to utilize these classic alien creatures. But again, it's those small things sometimes that get you most excited about a Star Wars movie or a Star Wars now a live action TV show um, that that might not necessarily be um, that huge of a deal in the grand scheme of things of the season. But as a diehard Star Wars fan, it is Get you excited with anticipation. Well, that's one of them for you. Like, heck, even us talking and speculating, we don't even know if it is true about that shot of the speeder bike with possibly being Boba Fett's armor. Even just the possibility of that being the case gets me so excited. Or just seeing those scout troopers on the speeder bike. Just little things like that in the trailer or not necessarily big things in the narrative, but as Star Wars fans, we just get so excited about and it's just fun to geek out about all this cool little stuff that um, makes the hype even more real for the season um, as we get closer to its release. So that's what I, I really loved about this trailer. Even though we didn't get any of those big um, rumors or casting announcements, um, not casting officially from Lucasfilm, but you know what I mean, <laughs> revealed in this trailer, it was still great on its own merits and how it didn't need all that big stuff to get us excited, but yet it got us just as excited by not having those things, but having these little moments sprinkled in throughout um the one negative i guess i would say about it is that shot at the end where it's just all black and you just hear these punching sounds for a short trailer maybe stayed in the black just a little too long (laughs) we're not seeing more footage from it but that's just a very minor nitpick and i was surprised there wasn't a small you know nts at the end of the mandalorian logo um usually i know that's the case for um a lot of Star Wars trailers, especially on the TV front, we've gotten those with Clone Wars a lot. And so I was expecting maybe that's where the big uh, tease of a big character was going to come, whether it was Silk or Boba Fett, but it didn't happen. But still, like you said, Kyle, an effective way to end the trailer to get us excited with some cool action. And then Mando saying the now iconic line, this is the way. So just an overall great trailer going into it, very excited. Um, and it did not disappoint on building the hype for season two. So yeah, definitely a solid trailer to get us excited for the next season, which is just right around the corner. And I don't think it's going to be the final trailer we're going to get for it because I believe we got a second trailer like two weeks before the premiere. It was pretty close. I remember it was definitely in the same month. So yeah, I, I know we got two trailers for season one, but I thought they were like spread further apart. Like by this point, Last year, we had definitely gotten the first trailer for season one. Yeah, because I was at D23, right? I want to say yes. I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. I don't remember. You know what? I'm going to look it up real quick. Um, But, you know, just just piggybacking off what you were saying about how, you know, if there was anything that I maybe would have liked to see just tacked on the end without giving too much away because of course sure they could have put ahsoka in there or whatever but thinking back on it now it's like we were kind of expecting to see something like that going into this trailer but then like when you watch it and realize there isn't anything like that it's like oh of course not especially like it's dave filoni like he likes to show stuff and get the fans excited but he also likes to keep his secrets um i also think with especially with disney it's like they'll probably let them keep more secrets because they know people are already invested in the show um 
Like I, I, I did used to get disappointed with Clone Wars sometimes because it would give away stuff that would have been a cool surprise. Like, you know, it would be revealed like in an Entertainment Weekly article or something like the week before the episode. They'd be like, you know, Liam Neeson is returning as Qui-Gon yeah, Jinn this week for the right. Mortis episodes. I'm like, man, let me just find that out watching the episode. But obviously they're trying to hype it up and get people to tune in and, and watch Clone Wars. Um which obviously, like, kind of found a second wind as far as, like, an, an audience and its its following once it was, like, on Netflix. I don't think its numbers even on Cartoon Network. Like, it was successful, but wasn't, like, you know, dominating the ratings or anything like that. Um, but, um, oh, to that point, yeah. So so I doubt Disney was pressuring them to be like, oh, show Ahsoka because we have to get people to tune in. It's like, no, obviously, like you said, Baby Yoda merch is all over the place. Everybody's going to tune in and watch this. Um, but I think it would have been cool to end on a shot of Moff Gideon with the Darksaber. Um, and, you yeah, know, obviously that's, that's how we ended season one. Like, kind of a tease of the bad mm. guy. Maybe even have him, like, lunging like he's going to go into battle, but you cut before you see who he's fighting. Um because John Carlo Esposito again has teased in some interviews and stuff that he definitely like gets to use the dark saber this season and he said he's like broken some prop ones so he's fighting somebody we just don't know who <laughs> um but yeah that would have been a really cool way to end it but obviously we know he's going to be in there so I'm happy with what we got um yeah definitely looking forward to it and no uh October 30th is uh when season 2 is premiering so uh just a little over a month away yeah, I'm just, okay, so we got the first trailer for season one of um yeah, the, the first trailer was August twenty third of last year. Yeah. Um and then I don't know when the second one was. I'm not gonna try to like uh well, you know, I think that was during like a Monday that night. Was that was October that was October twenty eighth. Um now well no, because the Rise of Skywalker trailer came out during Monday Night Football. That's right. Maybe the Mandalorian one did too. I don't remember. It was October 28th, 2019, whatever day that was. Somebody can go look it up. Um, so yeah, that was just a couple weeks before the season aired. So maybe we'll get another trailer, but that would only be a couple weeks from now. So it, that would be a lot less spread apart. But yeah, maybe we'll get one that's got some more teases and stuff. Who knows? Um, I think so. Just to give that one last push of excitement for maybe those who canceled their subscription after season one and <laughs> they just need an extra uh push a reminder that mandalorian season two is coming and here's why you got to renew right away because it looks awesome in another yeah. new trailer so i mean and I think heck, we'll if we do get another one that does show like ahsoka or boba fett or, or bogatan or anything like that i would lose my mind but i feel like there was enough good stuff in this one that i'm like I'm satisfied. Like, yeah. and obviously we're going to tune yeah, in and same. watch it anyways, but this was just enough to like, get you excited, show you just some of the new environments and situations and stuff that they're going to be in and, and sort of bring you back into this world of like the Mandalorian and the child. And, um, it's like, yeah, it doesn't give away anything big or even show you anything that gets you like super excited, but just kind of setting you back to where we're at and showing you some of where we're going and, and just, getting you ready to go so i'm excited i'm hyped i'm ready to do it yeah I, i'm with you I, I think this trailer was a, a good trailer I, I kind of said that at the beginning too but no i think this is a solid trailer and i think that i don't need to see another one and I, the way i handled the mandalorian last season was so perfect for me because i had no idea baby yoda was coming and i stayed off social media all day just so i wouldn't be spoiled for 
for anything, much less the biggest reveal I think in Star Wars probably since let's be honest, since you know I am your father. Let's be real. You know, I mean, you're yeah. probably right about yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah. It's this is and I had no idea I was walking into that. Same, and yeah. when I saw that, I was like, what? And it blew my mind. And it just it made it made Star Wars just so much more like like fun again for the first time and in a while, you know, to be quite honest at that point. And it was like, you know, my gearing up for Rise of Skywalker was was definitely ramping up and getting excited for that movie because you know what I was kind of anticipating in my head. But then the Mandalorian just made it go to another level. And it felt like, you know, pre Force Awakens times where it just like it just was Star Wars all the time, 24-7. So yeah, really exciting to to get this. And I'm gonna continue basically jumping off uh social media when this these episodes drop. And I probably will mute anyone that gets a screener and talks to like teases it, like, oh care, just wait you see this. No, I'm not getting that crap. No. I'm going to be muting all those idiots. So sorry. Like, I don't like I, whatever. No, they're not idiots, but to me, they are because I don't want to, you know, they're, they're dumb tweets. So, um, yeah, I don't want people to hype it up for me. If, it, if, if, you know, day of, that's fine because that comes out. But anyone who gets a screener and starts raving about it before, no, I'm muting you. Sorry. Yeah. You're, well, you know, something that was nice too that I noticed in season one was like even if i had like if i watched an episode in the morning and then was like on social media during the day and like seeing people that were talking about it who had already seen it um people usually weren't you know we're, we're for the most part we're avoiding spoilers um and talking about you know oh hey i can't wait for everybody to to see this episode so we can talk about that one big thing or whatever it might be so um yeah, hopefully that'll continue with season two. Um, it is challenging when, you know, most of us wait to watch episodes in the evening when we get home from work or whatever, but it's available like at midnight the night before. So sometimes it is a bit of a minefield trying to, you know, not see too much during the day. But um, I'm just glad that we're going to have more Mandalorian episodes to, to watch and to look forward to. And uh, can't yeah. wait to watch them and talk about all talk about them with you guys. Um and like I said, also wanted to mention just this Entertainment Weekly article um, and a couple interesting things in here. This one, this came out just like a few days before the trailer um, or maybe like the week before, but, um, you know, gave us our first official images from season two. And I mean, you think there was nothing spoilery in the trailer. This was literally just like pictures of Mando and the baby and Grief Karga and Cara Dune and Moff Gideon and that was pretty much it like you don't even really get good glimpses at like new locations or anything like that um except for I mean again you can tell that we're on Tatooine um Grief Karga looks like he's in the Razor Crest Moff Gideon looks like he's on a Star Destroyer oh that was the other thing I was going to talk about that was like was maybe leaning towards spoilery but probably isn't because um Giancarlo Esposito said something in this article about getting to like command a big vehicle or something like that which people were like oh my gosh are we gonna see him like driving an ATAT -AT or something like that but then you see these images and he's like in a Star Destroyer so it's like oh maybe that's just what he was talking about um not really anything else to go on story-wise in here. I mean, again, they're talking about just, like, the production of the show, the fact that they wrapped on season two, like, four days before the whole industry shut down due to COVID. So we got lucky on that, that we're still getting uh, to watch the season at the end of uh, October, like was originally planned. Um, 
They do. Actually, they did also mention in here too that like because things are kind of like they've established the characters in the universe now that like they might actually they they kind of hint that like we might actually get some episodes in season two that aren't about Mando. Um, so I don't know. Maybe Moff Gideon will get his own episode where we just kind of explore the Imperial side of things. Um, and John Carlo Esposito again does kind of go into that and talk about like. He, he's just kind of hinting that like oh we'll we'll find out more about moff gideon's motivations and what the empire is really after and you know maybe he feels like he's doing the right thing and whatever he has planned for this child is really for the benefit of everybody and he's the good guy which i mean obviously every good bad guy sees themselves as the good guy of their own story so um i'm glad to see that he's gonna have you know some deeper complex motivations and not just be like a mustache twirling bad guy um Although honestly, if it was if he was just more of him being like he was at the end of season one, I wouldn't complain because he was fantastic. But um, yeah, just getting deeper into his character and of course seeing him fight with the dark is definitely one of the things I'm most looking forward to in season two. And I believe the article did confirm too that the episode count is eight again for mm-hmm. season two. I know I was kind of hopeful that maybe they'd bump it up to ten, but. Um, I should be thankful probably because if it was 10, they wouldn't be able to finish it because yeah, of probably. COVID and we'd have an unfinished season on our hands. So I guess it is good now that it is eight that we get a fully completed season that um, we're going to see in its entirety the way it was intended. So um, I guess dodge the bullet as far as hoping that it would have been 10. In fact, it would have been short anyway. So uh, we got that confirmed, but hopefully the episodes maybe will be a little longer in length. I don't think there was any details about that. But if we're not going to get any more episodes, maybe the actual eight that we get are maybe just a tad longer because <laughs> it's I know it's kind of a small thing to complain about, but it's just so good that you just want to see more. So <laughs> especially with the potential storylines and episodes we could be getting in this season, sometimes I think some of the run times for the season one episodes, uh, they're going to be enough to hold some of the big stuff that we're anticipating <laughs> for season two. But again, we'll see. And I'm sure they'll work it out to where the episodes are as long as they need to be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the main thing. Like, with season one, like, as much as I love the show and would love to see more of it, I didn't really feel like any of those episodes needed to be longer. You know, it's easy to to look at a timer and see, like, oh, this episode's only 35 minutes long. I want more of it. But when you sit down and actually watch the story, it's like, no, that was about as long as it needed to be. So... I'm kind of expecting the same thing from season two. If they want to make longer episodes and give us more story, go for it. But um, I don't know. I'm glad they kind of just take as much time as they need. And, you know, the episodes varied from like 30 minutes to 48. um, And they were all great. So I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, what they've got for season two. And they also mentioned the directors in here. Of course, we've got um, John Favreau actually directing an episode this time. Um, we'll have more from Dave Filoni, uh, Rick Famuyiwa, uh, Carl Weathers is actually directing an episode this time, and then also uh, Robert Rodriguez. And I think, didn't they confirm that Peyton Reed is also directing an episode this season? Yeah. yeah it's not confirmed he, in, in this article, I think, but I think we had mentioned that I think he like, sent out back. Instagram pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I want to say Bryce Dallas Howard is also directing again. Um, I don't think she is. I think it's um, yeah. I don't think it could be wrong, but I don't think Maybe she not. is. Though. It, it's hard to remember because I mean we've heard bits and pieces of this from different sources, but she's not one of the ones that's that's mentioned in this article, so maybe not. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. And then the one other thing, just related to the Mandalorian, that I wanted to mention. Um, we talked about a 
a few weeks ago it got nominated for a whole bunch of Emmy Awards. And I'm not exactly sure how they've been doing this. Like, I know they've they've announced certain Emmy Awards like several nights this past week. And then I know the, the big like primetime Emmy Awards, I think, are coming up this Sunday, which is when they do, you know, like best drama and best actor and like all the main awards. Um, but so far over this past week, The Mandalorian has already won five Emmy Awards for uh, cinematography, production design, sound editing, sound, mi- sound mixing, and special visual effects. Um, so obviously well-deserved by the whole uh, team working on that. Um, you know, obviously the, the sound and the visuals and all that stuff are fantastic. I know Watchmen won for best score, but um, I was hoping The Mandalorian would win that one too. I love the soundtrack for this show. Yeah, the soundtrack, listen, and, I, and, and, and we're all music people here. I, I will say, and I, I love The Mandalorian soundtrack, but that soundtrack for The Watchmen is and I'm not a soundtrack guy. The reason why I I can listen to Star Wars outside is because it's so it's such Star Wars. It's its own it's in it's its own entity of like music to me that I like to get into Star Wars and when I'm reading comics or books or whatever, I put on Star Wars music and it helps me get into like the Star Wars universe, galaxy from our, you know, for far far away whatever. That's probably the only soundtrack music I could ever listen to, not including like, you know, pop songs that are associated with movies and things like that. Um, so scores are really it's really, really hard for me being as a lover of music and, and played, you know, bands and all that stuff as much as I have. I just can't get into it as much. I associate it with the material too much when a lot of times. But that being said, the soundtrack for Watchmen is such an it has such an 80s vibe but it's also its own thing so much that it just it has such a mood to it it's perfect it's uh, and i'm a big synth fan i love synth music and their synth music is just atmospheric but yet just has great tunes to it um the uh God, song that uh, Krypton song was beautiful. Sorry, I'm gonna talk, talk you know, Washington podcast, obviously. But that being said, <laughs> I think they deserve it because they created a, a a mood unlike anything that you were really anticipating. Whereas I think obviously, and granted, like the guy, I forgot his name. Um, the, he was Lars something. Is there any Lars? Um, Wait, you talking about for the Mandalorian? That's uh, Ludwig Gorenson. Ludwig and Lars Ludwig. Lars Ludwig, same difference. Um, no, Ludwig, <laughs> I thought did um, a, a great job. He had some. He had. Here's what I think with Ludwig. It's, it's a great score, and I think it's it's definitely the some of the best. I think it's some of the it's better than some of the John Williams stuff in the sequel trilogy. To be to be quite honest, I mean, that's me. That's not too fair to John because he's you know pushing ninety years old, but. Um, that being said, Ludwig stuff in this is really, really good. And it, the only thing I would say is that it definitely wasn't like verbatim, like amazing top to bottom, but the entry point that he comes in on is so good that the, where he's going to be building off from, I'm really excited to see where he goes this next season. So that's to me is what the most exciting thing is. I think now that he has a, a season under his belt and he kind of got the, the uh what's the word uh not, not the curse but like the the stigma of following john williams and being one of the newer people to follow john williams um is uh is out 
and, and gone now then and people have kind of accepted his scores like yeah this is really good and it is is now theme for the mandalorians a little bit would say it's iconic a little bit right so maybe not quite iconic but it's pretty well known it's getting there <laughs> yeah it's getting there so yeah i think it would did it deserve it maybe not this season but if it's going if he because to me he it, it got every episode got better and better and better and better like as far as like more unique, having its own voice, besides having a great theme for the Mandalorian. So I'm really Yeah, excited. I think in particular, I think it was like episode seven that was nominated for uh best score or best music or whatever. And to be fair, I haven't seen Watchmen, so I'm not saying like, oh no, the Mandalorian deserved to win I, and it was better than Watchmen. I'm just saying I was hoping it would win because it's Pal, a you fantastic a soundtrack. Do me a favor. Remind me to give you my password to log in and whatever you need to to watch that immediately, please. Yeah, I I know I know I need to watch it. Yeah, yes, you do. Um, so I concur. <laughs> and, and, and just and just also talking about Star Wars soundtracks for a minute. Not to do a side tangent, but really quick, just, I just want to say right now, we considering what is following John Williams is impossible. Now, I got to say, like, that being said, for the most part, that, just thinking off the top of my head, I think, like, we've been, Star Wars has done a good job. Like, Lucasfilm has done a good job, and, and the people they've hired have all done a great job collectively making pretty good music. Like, there hasn't been music where I've been like, ugh, this is garbage. Like. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of thought the Rogue, Rogue One would be like that because they got they it was everything everything was such a last minute and that's probably my least favorite of of anything that's not John Williams. And I, oh, I, think really? I, I like to say that probably is my favorite. Yeah, but, I would but, agree. Yeah, I, I, as on, much as I love the on. Mandalorian, I think yeah, I think uh, Rogue One I is. Done. I was done. I wasn't my, done. My but... favorite soundtrack that's not John Williams. <laughs> But when you well, say I, least favorite, it's kind of. Well, I was anticipating to be my least, least favorite because the guy only had like two weeks to do it. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. What, well, and it's amazing that it turned out as well as it did, which you exactly. can say for, which is kind of indicative of Rogue One as a whole when you think about it with all the reshoots well, they that, had to do and stuff. Point. But no, that's, but, but, that scout, yeah, Michael Giacchino knocked it out of the park on Rogue One. So the reason why I bring that up is because I think it's, it really is. We're blessed, to be quite honest, to get the as good as quality music as we've gotten following a legend like, you know, John Williams. So that to me, and I think that Ludwig's Mandalorian season and every, I mean, the solo soundtrack is, I mean, I thought solo and Rogue One would probably be like, eh, even solo, but solo soundtrack is really, really good. Like, like way better than I would, I would honestly was anticipating. Like there's some great, great music on there. Um, the choir stuff they use is great. To be quite honest, I think like all that this solo Rogue One is better than all, most of the sequel trilogy stuff. Like straight up. Like I'm sorry, it is. I mean, John Williams is a legend and he's or he's an icon. And there's music on the sequel trilogy that's really great. But like but as a whole, I mean, those guys put out some really good music. So I think Star Wars is really in a good place as far as where music goes. And I think that's and I think the standard that John Williams set, which is, again, iconic and is the bar that everyone attempts to reach to, that these the artists they've picked have pretty much stepped up to the plate, and have gone at least in the the ballpark. They may not they may not be hitting grand slams in, in John in a house made by John Williams, 
you know, or, or how about this? This, this? You guys are baseball fans. Let's do pre-steroid era. <laughs> uh, let's just say that Roger Maris, he's Roger Maris, basically, is 61 home run record. and Which is still that, the home run record. Exactly. <laughs> no, really, right? And everyone else is just chasing that home run record before steroids got into it. But you know what I mean? They're all chasing. And I think that that they're, you know, we're getting like the Griffies or the 56 home, you know, 50 home runs where it's a, you know, mm. that kind of, thing. we're getting people, maybe not quite 60 home runs, but they're like 55 home runs. Like it's not too far. It's, it's, it's close enough. We're like, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. So that's, that's pretty exciting. I think, and again, going back to the Mandalorian Ludwig is, I think a, an extension of that. Like he's in that, he's one of the top tier people. And, to be honest, I think it's great that people are getting this speed, you know, themselves. And I think the music is really has been way better than I was anticipating. So I thought it was going to be like almost like the going back to baseball curse of uh, the Babe Ruth, curse of Babe Ruth or whatever kind of thing where it's like no one's available or, or Superman. Right. Right, Tim. Like it seems like Superman's curse. Like people who play Superman, like it seems like there's always some of these bad things that happen to him. And you know, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, like it, what's going to trump that curse? And it seems like there hasn't it hasn't been the case, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and hopefully that continues with season two. It's funny, they did mention in that article that like once the COVID shutdown happened and they were doing post-production on the show from home, um, one of the hardest things to do was the score because like obviously you couldn't have a whole orchestra together. Um, and so he had different instruments like recording remotely or recording in small groups and then having to put the whole thing together. But, uh, you know, at least John Favreau said that it still turned out pretty well. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what music they've come up with for season two as well. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much all the news on The Mandalorian. Uh, October 30th, we got about a month and a half left until we get all kinds of cool Mando action and surprise cameos and all that kind of stuff. And of course, we'll be doing uh, plenty of episodes talking about all that good stuff. Um, few other things we want to mention before we wrap up here. Um, first of all, just random bit of news, but this dropped and we wanted to talk about it briefly. And Paul, you had mentioned uh, the High Republic earlier. Um, they did confirm that Yoda will be part of some of these High Republic stories and released, uh, you know, a cool piece of concept art um, of a slightly younger looking Yoda. It's funny because this is what, like 200 years before the movie. So Yoda's still like about 600 years old at this point. Um, but you yeah, can tell not he, gonna see Prime Yoda yet. <laughs> yeah. And he, I mean, you can tell he, he looks old, but definitely less old and a, a little more youthful than we're used to seeing. I mean, if... Yoda in, um, you know, in, in the movies that we're used to looks like a 80 or 90 year old man. This definitely looks like 50 or 60 year old Yoda, um, who's definitely, you know, got some years on him, but can still kick your butt. I mean, obviously he could do that at 900 too, but, um, yeah, it'll be fun to see, uh, what kind of role he plays in these stories. I'm assuming it'll be similar to, uh, his role in the Star Wars movies that we're used to, where he's like the mentor and the head of the Jedi Council and not necessarily, um, you know, going to be like the main character of any of these stories or, or leading any of the adventures or whatever. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, see Yoda in a different time period of his life and see how he's interacting with all these other new Jedi characters in the High Republic. Yeah, it's something we knew that was probably going to happen in the High Republic. I mean, how can you do a story set in this time period and not have Yoda show up in some, some shape or form, but it's still exciting nonetheless. And like you just said, I'm just excited about seeing Yoda 
interact with new members or not new members, but different Jedi characters and characters on the council who are going to be totally different than who we're used to seeing them interact with in the prequel, like Mace Windu, Kiati Monday, Plo Koon. So it's going to be a totally new set of characters that we're going to see Yoda in this element of the Jedi uh, during this time period, which is going to be interesting to see if it's going to be more of the same Yoda that we've gotten in the prequels and Clone Wars or um, showing a little more characteristics that we've never seen him have before. So it's going to be interesting to see that. But um, yeah, not unexpected, but still exciting to knowing that he's going to show up in this era in the High Republic. Yeah, not a surprise, but at the same time, not exactly, you know, um, I I, I like it. I, I like the fact they're acknowledging it. And I think... I think that they're, to be honest, they should have led a more with Yoda. And I, I just don't, it, it just kind of, kind of more so kind of shows that they just are really afraid to, I think, go down, you know, or the origin of Yoda path. And I think there is a great discussion, not today, but at some point to, uh, Tim and Kyle that, uh, I'm going to bring comics back into this a little bit, like I always love to do. Um, specifically Marvel comics. Um, I think there's a, an argument, an argument to be made of that. You could look at Yoda kind of like a Wolverine in a sense, in a sense, not like character wise, but as the ideas of keeping his origin mystery for, you know, how long can you realistically mm. go and, and not tell the origin of Yoda or at least give more of a history of him um, before it just like, it just becomes like, well, because again, now granted, the Wolverine was also a money was as a was a kind of a, a money slash. Um, they wanted to do it before Hollywood was going to do it because they didn't want to have. They felt like you know it was only right for the comics to tell the origin of Wolverine, not the movies. At the same time, I think you could say the same thing about Yoda, and I think that the more they deep the the more they dive deep into the the history of Yoda, and again, you don't have again High Republic is not very deep at all. As like you kind of mentioned, Kyle, that. It's something that I think they, Lucasfilm needs to take seriously. They can't just be like, no, we can never tell anything about Yoda ever again. It's a, it, George does not want it to happen. I mean, George is no longer in charge. And I think that there's and there's potential with baby Yoda's popularity and, and whatever that this might push even more so that George may give his blessing to give more Yoda backstory based on this. Because I think he had to give the blessing of baby Yoda in the first place. I mean, not they needed it, but obviously Filoni and John Favreau, you know, talked to him about that. So this could potentially, you know, push the idea of George kind of giving a little bit of like, whatever, doing a couple, like throws a couple ideas their way that he wants to have happen. And they kind of just take run with it kind of a thing. And this could be like, again, if Yoda's a popular character and the high Republic's a big thing and they start realizing like, Hey, like there's something to this whole Yoda character outside of, you know, the, ot and pt so i uh again i think for a future it'd be a good argument to have but i i, I for one am, am about i love reveals of origins and things like that i know tamer kind of the same way too mm -hmm. i think um so oh, yeah. i think yeah it, it's it, you're afraid to do the you're afraid to do something, anything definitive but that's why you always kind of hint at things and see what, what kind of what, what hits with people. And if you're hinting hits with people, you can expand. And, you know, as long as you're, you're close to that, I think you're going to be okay in my opinion. So, so yeah, I, I think that we should, I think we should, and I think we will see the origin of Yoda 
origin or the let's just say the the upbringing of Yoda at this point because origin doesn't really make sense. More of the like kind of like how Yoda became a Jedi, and you know over the years and his his development of what he became. That 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 to me is going to be a really interesting story one day, whether it be comic book or whatever. We're going to find out Yoda's first name is James. <laughs> Dude, straight up, James would be a sweet name for Yoda. Like, I'm not James even joking. 900 years ago, that was a common name in the galaxy. Yeah. You should point out, too, that um, in the reveal that Yoda was going to be in the High Republic, that it will be in the IDW uh, comic series. The High Republic Adventures is where he's going to show up. So oh, okay. not in the novel or the Marvel series, but for right now, anyway, just IDW. Well, right. And of course, it, even if that's the only thing he's going to appear in for right now, I mean, the High Republic, we know, is going to be this ongoing thing. And, you know, the novels will probably have sequels and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure he's probably not just going to be like a one and done kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that's just a little bit of... um publishing news pretty much all the rest of the stuff we've got to talk about just has to do with video games um first of all speaking of soundtracks like we were just talking about uh there's a soundtrack album out now for jedi fallen order um that you can get on you know apple music and spotify and wherever you listen to albums at um i love this thing because first of all the soundtrack from jedi fallen order is fantastic that game also has some great music in there and also with this soundtrack album they don't skimp out on any of it this thing's like three and a half hours long um and there really aren't any moments i can think of from the game because i've listened to it all the way through uh just once it's not like i've listened to all three and a half hours multiple times yet but um i can't think of any like big musical moments from the game that were missing from the soundtrack um i'm sure there's probably like some little just incidental things and like background music and stuff and like action beats and whatever that you play during fight scenes that uh, might not be in there because I think just from like interviews or whatever, there's a little featurette um, in the game. Like if you buy the deluxe edition where they talk about the making of the music and I think they composed something like maybe 10 hours of music for this game or something like that. Um, But again, three and a half hours of it condensed into a soundtrack album, you know, you know, you're going to get all the main stuff. So that was uh, really exciting to um, to play through. Actually, now that I think about it, the the only stuff that's missing from the soundtrack is like moments in the game where they just use tracks from the movies. Um, You know, there's obviously certain moments where they use like the force theme or the Imperial March or um, specific moments from specific that are like kind of callbacks to specific moments from the star wars movies like order 66 and whatever um but all, pretty much all the original stuff is is here in this uh soundtrack album so um definitely check that out if you haven't yet um and if you enjoy listening to to star wars soundtracks like we do um and then we got a couple of game trailers first of all we got a, tra- a gameplay trailer for lego star wars the skywalker saga uh which came out a couple weeks ago um unfortunately i don't know if we had mentioned that game was also scheduled to come out october of this year but that's been pushed back to 2021 um but this gameplay trailer just looks like a lot of fun um got you know you've got action from episode one through nine you've got of course the classic like sort of charming humor of like the lego recreation of some of the star wars movie moments i mean there's a couple laugh out loud moments just here in this trailer but yeah this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and obviously you get a good glimpse of like what the gameplay is going to be like. And 
it looks a lot more I don't know what the right word is, but like it seems a lot more like a like a legit video game and not just like a game where you're running around with like Lego characters. I mean, if you think of like the original Lego Star Wars games where it's all just kind of like a top down view. Um, but just some of the clips they showed in here, I mean, there's like some kind of third person over the shoulder, like shooting action going on. Um, the like the space combat scenes and everything like Luke flying down the Death Star trench or like the pod race looks like it's going to be some actually like pretty intense like vehicle action. So I'm really looking forward to playing this. Um, of course, I know I don't know if you guys are as much into the, the Lego Star Wars games, but I mean, the first one came out back when I was in high school and my sister and I spent countless hours playing through, uh, you know, the first two and then Lego Star Wars, the complete saga. Um and still have, you know, a lot of fun memories of that. And uh, just seeing the whole thing recreated with, you know, new graphics and gameplay and everything. I'm really looking forward to diving into this. Yeah, I played all the original Lego Star Wars games and like got unlocked every character, got all the gold bricks. So I completed those games to like 100 mm -hmm. percent. So probably to a point where I got a little burnt out on Lego games because it's been a long time since I played them. I didn't even play the Force Awakens one, just a demo, which was fun, but I think I'm definitely going to get back into it with this one because, like you said, it just looks very polished. A lot more to do in the game than uh, you would from the earlier, or what you maybe would expect from some of those earlier LEGO games. And the graphics look really good. Sometimes it's easy to forget about the graphics being that the designs are all LEGO, but it looks really good. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm excited for it. And the fact that it got delayed till next year just means it's going to be that much more polished and better for us gamers to play when it does come out. So yeah, I'll definitely be getting this one. Yeah, definitely. And here's the thing. I know some people kind of dismiss these games as like, Oh, they're for kids or, you know, and look, it's, it's not for everybody. And especially if you're looking for like a more serious gaming experience, but I think one thing that is, that gets kind of overlooked with the Lego star Wars games is not only is it like a fun family friendly kind of thing that you can play like if you have younger siblings or cousins or whatever and it's got you know the humor and everything in it but also like the gameplay is fun it's got you know some good puzzles and the combat is not necessarily challenging but you get to you know run around and swing your lightsaber and cut down battle droids and stormtroopers and stuff and it's like the only game that is like a, a solid fun game that lets you play through all of the star wars movies um, yep. and normally people talk about how, you know, game like video games that are based off of movies, especially ones where you directly play through the story of the movie are usually like really bad and they're either rushed or they have to expand it and fill it with a bunch of filler. Cause obviously the movie is only two hours worth of story, but the Lego star Wars games are like, well, here you go. Here's all the star Wars movies in one game that you get to play through. And it's actually well done and a lot of fun. So um, I've enjoyed all the ones before and I'm expecting that I'll, uh, enjoy the heck out of this one too. Meh. <laughs> How did I know that was going to be your reaction? How did I, I just, know? I just don't, I just, I listen, like you said, Kyle, I, they're not for everybody and they're definitely not just aimed at kids. It's, it's just a fun, they're, they're fun games. I just don't have the, I can barely play the, the serious games. It's not because they're bad. It's because I just, I'm not the biggest gamer in the world. So I don't devote a lot of time to it. So when I get a game I like, it's, it's always nice to do that, but I have no, I have no time to do Lego right now, especially. So, I mean, it's whatever. I'm happy for people who are excited, but I don't really care. Yeah. Well, I, I hope it's got online co-op for me and Tim. 
Um, oh, it better. <laughs> yeah, which I'm assuming it will, because uh, like it's been a while since I've played, especially any of the newer Lego games too. So, um, but that seems like a feature that they would have in this day and age. Um, and then lastly, they released a new, uh, not really a trailer, like a, a short cinematic for Star Wars Squadrons, which is also coming out next month. Um, now, I still kind of have my reservations about the game. I don't love that it's all in first person and that it's all original trilogy era, and I still think I might enjoy the space combat in Battlefront 2 more, but I'm going to give this one a shot. But this short cinematic that they released called Hunted, which actually was made by ILM, is fantastic. Like, it's not... This is not a game trailer. This is, like, on the level of, like, the... Um, the, the cinematic trailers for Star Wars The Old Republic, where it's like, this is not necessarily uh, indicative of what the game is going to be like. It's more to just kind of give you a sense of, like, the, the time period and the characters and what the action is going to be like. But, I mean, this is done almost like just... Like, it looks like a scene out of a Star Wars movie. And it's like a basically just a dogfight between uh, an X-Wing and a, a TIE Interceptor. Actually, the main character of this is like the Imperial pilot, so it's showing you the Imperial perspective. Um, so, I don't know, maybe the game will actually have a good Imperial storyline where they don't defect you to the Rebel side 15 minutes into it. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it starts off in a space battle and then uh, the Imperials retreat and this guy gets left behind and then there's an X-Wing hunting for him and it turns into this real cool chase and then dogfight and everything. So... Um, if you guys haven't checked that out yet, definitely check it out. Even if you're not that excited about the game, like if you just like watching Star Wars action with ships and stuff, this is just a really well-made uh, little cinematic promo for the game. So, um, yeah, definitely, you know, check that out. I have out. a quick question. Oh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, so so I haven't watched it, and my next question is, is there an actual camp, little mini campaign for this game? Oh, yeah. I, I don't remember. Okay, there is. A yeah, yeah, there, there's a story campaign. Um, it's probably not going to be super long, especially considering the fact that the game is, uh, I think, uh, selling for $40 instead of 60 Yeah. Um, so it'll probably be, you know, five, six hours, whatever. But, uh, yeah, there is a campaign where you play as both the Rebels, or the New Republic, I guess, and the Empire um the, uh, the bulk of the game is is multiplayer but they said that you know they've created an original story for this that is set after return of the jedi and you see the conflict between the new republic and the the remnants of the empire but the campaign is also kind of designed almost as like a tutorial for the multiplayer like every campaign mission kind of gets you more and more acquainted with the different ship controls and options and all that kind of stuff so mm. right on yeah this this CG short was great. I loved it. And again, not that it's going to be indicative of how fun the game is going to be just yet, but just to get you excited about the type of story you're going to be playing through was it did a, it did a good job in getting you excited about that. And I just thought it was cool and how it kind of showed the imperial side to be more heroic than the rebellion here because you got the captain of the TIE fighter squadron before they're going to make the retreat, there was one TIE bomber left behind, and he went back to try to bring that pilot to safety to regroup with the, the fleet before they made the jump to hyperspace. But that, even though he got that pilot um, to safety for a little bit, it still ends up being shot down, and then he gets left behind, like you said, and then he's trapped in this dogfight with this 
uh, X-Wing pilot who comes off more as an antagonist here because he says that line to him as they're you know, following each other down a canyon where he just goes like, the war is over, imp. And then still, even though the war is over, he's still trying to shoot him down and kill him. Mm-hmm. But the Imperial got the upper hand in this battle, which was nice to see. So just did a good job of showing a different perspective than we're normally used to seeing with the Empire, and I definitely appreciated that. So it just makes me excited to play the Imperial side of the campaign once uh, we get those missions. So, yeah, I thought this uh, little CG movie was really, really well done, both in visually and the story it was trying to tell. Yeah, and I think the Imperial pilot that you see in here is a character from the game. I, f- I forget if he's either the character that you play as or if he's the one that like gives you your missions and stuff, but he's the leader of uh, Titan Squadron, which is like the Imperial faction that you play as. Um, and I think it's like Vanguard Squadron is the the New Republic um, uh, your your squadron that you fly with. Um, but they released I, I saw like on their website or whatever when this came out they also um, highlighted like a, a bio for that pilot character. And even you know just adding more sort of nuance to like why all these people would would sign up and believe in the empire when you know they're the bad guys. And it talks about how he initially joined on because he thought that the empire was the only hope for like order in a lawless galaxy. Um, And that over the years, like he's been with them long enough now that he's seen things that the, like questionable things that the empire has done that have maybe, uh, you know, made him question their, their motives or, or whatever. But basically it's like, he's seen so many Imperial pilots die for the cause that like, he's not going to stop and question his values now. Like, you know, he's, he's kind of all in at this point and is more devoted to his fellow pilots than he is to like Palpatine or or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Which we saw in this trailer. Yeah. 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 yeah, You definitely see that in the trailer and I'm hoping some of that comes across in the, uh, the campaign for the game. Again, this is made by motive studios who made the campaign for battlefront two, which I don't think any of us were big fans of that story, but uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I hope they do a good job with this one, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. We got Squadrons coming out next month. We got Mandalorian Season 2 coming out next month. We got Lego Star Wars coming out next year. Um, you know, again, seems like a bit of a down period when there's no new movies on the horizon anytime soon, but we still got some exciting Star Wars stuff to look forward to. So uh, before we wrap up here, uh, Tim, did we get any comments or emails from the listeners that you wanted to read uh, before we head out? Yeah, we got a few reactions from the Mandalorian trailer. I also put up a poll um, to see what everyone's thinking about it. So the choices were that it was an amazing trailer, a solid trailer, it was good, but wanted to see more, or that was disappointing. And only 2.5% thought it was disappointing. And then 75 thought it was good, but wanted to see more. And then 425 thought it was amazing. And then 47.5% thought it was a solid trailer, which is probably what would have gotten my vote. Just a very solid trailer that got you amped and excited for the next season, as we talked about in length on this episode. And then uh, Chris McGuffin on Twitter at The Curse of Chris said it was solid, gave enough without showing too much. And then Rich Brockwell um, is one of the ones who thought it, it had that little bit of an Earth feel to it. As he says, it looks a bit like Mando goes to Earth, but it's great. Looking forward to seeing it. And then on Facebook, our friend Joey Letson said, I love how it shows nothing from the rumors surrounding next season and yet still looks amazing. Which, yeah, this is so great about that trailer. So, um, yeah, it seems like the majority of Star Wars fans are feeling good about it and that that looks amazing and can't wait for the season to begin just like us so which is good to see online and then also we got an email 
uh, regards to our recent Ewok commentaries from uh, Jonathan Gilbert. He says, hey, guys, firstly, thanks for your awesome long Star Wars podcast. It keeps me entertained with the copious amounts of walking I do at work. Well, you're welcome for that, Jonathan. And he goes, listening to your two episodes about the Ewoks movies made me want to watch them even more having never seen them before. A travesty for a Star Wars fan growing up in the 90s, lol. <laughs> However, the big issue I have is where to watch them in the UK. They cost nearly 40 quid to buy them, about $51.50 in the US. And as much as I want to see them, I'm not sure I can convince my partner to spend that much on them. Therefore, I was just wondering if you knew of anywhere else that I might be able to watch them. As always, keep up the awesome work. Well, thanks, Jonathan, for that. And I definitely appreciate you listening to those episodes, even though you haven't seen the Ewok movies. And even more thankful that it made you want to watch them. Yeah. But I, I feel bad in saying that I don't know where you can get them really anywhere else. It sucks Amazon, because digitally, I don't, I don't see them on. Yeah, there they're anymore. not. Uh, they're not on there anymore. What? I don't think. No, yeah. I just did a search today and I yeah. did not see him. Now, and Jonathan, when we got when you sent us this email, I looked on uh eBay and I saw them on there for like $30. I'm not sure how that translates with like the exchange rates and, you know, if you can get that in the UK, but um I mean, that's cheaper than you know, the, the $50 US that you were seeing it for. So you might want to check that. I would say that's probably your best bet. Um, unless you happen to know anybody that's got a copy that you could borrow it from or something. Cause yeah, it's not really available on any like online digital streaming platforms or, um, even, you know, available to buy through like iTunes or Amazon or anything like that, unfortunately, or just keep, you know, start an online campaign and just, uh, annoy the heck out of Disney to put them on Disney plus. I know. It just goes back to what we we're talking about during those comic commentaries. How it's such a shame that they're not available on Disney Plus, and now even more frustrating knowing they were available digitally on Amazon, and now they're not. Like, what's the reason for that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, Paul. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you remember when you bought those, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that changed, like after the uh, Disney acquisition. No, it was actually, definitely after. It was after because I, I remember I bought them because Pablo Hidalgo had made it known on Twitter couple years ago like and i'm like more than three years ago i don't think it was it was less than three probably between two and it's i would say about a couple years no you know what i would say it's, it's less than two years because it was very random and i remember it was uh it was recent enough that i had that i was looking to see if it was it, it carried over to like my amazon fire thing that my wife bought and i was gonna watch it it's something weird like that and they weren't showing up, and I was like, "Well, that's weird." And that was wasn't that long ago, maybe maybe two years, or it was less than two years, but but barely if it was two years. So yeah, it was um, pretty recent. So I mean, let's be real, maybe it's a it's a prelude to them getting touched up and re-releasing them. So wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. that was and, and 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 like as Kyle kind of, I think Kyle's a great example of yeah, they're not amazing but i mean like you could make a decent profit off of it i mean like there's more star wars fans they're yeah what's the harm in having them out there for people to buy if they want it yeah yeah like like seriously yeah and again to me you know especially like someone who had kind of mixed reactions on them overall like again i i actually enjoyed the second one first one not so much but i didn't hate it like you know it didn't offend me or you know like it, I, it's just something that i feel like if they did release it it's not like it's going to be controversial 
or you know people exactly. aren't gonna it's not gonna make people hate star wars or you know feel like it's lower quality or whatever. it's obviously something that's a product of a certain time period and uh you know, you don't expect super high quality from it, but it's like there are people that enjoy it or who've never seen it who might enjoy it. And it would be, I think, a good thing to put out there for those people and for people that don't like it or don't care about it. It's like no harm, no foul. So, yeah. And, and you know what, though? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that I think they definitely need to do because, and it goes for the cartoons of Ewoks and droids and Gendy, like re-release it. I mean, if anything, go to Best Buy, go to Disney Store for God's sakes and say, here's a Steelbook limited edition, you know, box set for the each, you know, you have a box set of the droids cartoons, box set of the Ewok cartoons. Oh, I don't know here's if they'd a- invest that much into it. But no, 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 listen to me, though. Like, you can make it limited edition, make them box, like, limited edition, like, very nice box sets, and you up that price. You're telling me Star Wars collectors aren't going to rush and buy those things? Yeah, they could just call it, like, the Star Wars Legends TV collection or yeah. something like that. Yeah, or, yeah, and again, they're steelbook, make them look really nice, but you make this, because legitimately, this is coming from me as a Star Wars collector. As I, again, I, and I'm right now in like knee deep in this buying comic books and stuff. But I can tell you right now, even though I haven't been consuming as much Star Wars stuff um, as a whole as of right this moment, I'm still buying stuff for my collection. Like I'm buying Black Series figures still. I'm still buying my Canon shelf, which I haven't updated in a long time. But I kind of waiting. I'm waiting for more stuff to pile up so I can I can reorganize it a little bit. So that will be coming soon, by the way. But my point is. And I'm just a very mild case of so many people out there. And even though you may not buy it, Kyle, there's a lot of people like me and Tim that would buy that in a heartbeat. And and you know what? There may not be as many of us than than before, but there's I think there's and I think you would agree, there's more there's plenty of us available that if they put out a limited quantity but they up that price it made it look a little bit nicer than a regular box set but you put that limited edition thing on there even the people who don't like those movies or those shows are gonna buy it because they're like oh i gotta have this limited edition star wars thing especially if it's something that has been released in like 20 years so i mean you put those things out people are gonna buy and you up the price a little bit like me personally i would pay easily this we'll just make it simple. Two Ewok made for TV movies. Hey, how much? Uh, I, I'm here. I, I find out. Hey, Disney Store, not even Best Buy, Disney Store is going to have a special steelbook, dope, you know, box set of the Ewok films. 50 bucks for this nice box set thing or steelbook thing. I'd pay it. And if it's limited, if especially if it was a limited edition, I wouldn't pay. It'd be like ah, I'll wait for it to go down. If it was a limited edition, like for like you know short supply, yeah, I'd buy that in a heartbeat. It'd have to be remastered in HD for me to pay fifty bucks to get them but, again. Yeah, fifty <laughs> is no, no offense, but fifty is a lot for the Ewok movies. No, 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 right, no. But I, I guess my point is this: is that collectors are going to spend more, even though they don't like it or not. So that's what I'm saying. It depends on yeah. how nice the box is. So I don't know. I just think well, first things first, let people watch it. Get it out there somewhere. But this, that's what I'm saying, though. You release it on you, – you re-release it. 
put on Disney Plus, put out a limited edition thing. People are gonna buy it. Just like the Ma- the Mandalorian is another great another great example. Yeah, you, you want people to like still like subscribe to Disney Plus and not release it physically, but let's be real. You put on a nice box set of the, of, of the Mandalorian. We're all gonna not you maybe necessarily, but I'm gonna buy it. And they they might at some point. Well, I don't um, know from the reports I'm hearing that Disney releasing physical media stuff is hmm. might not be lasting that much longer. Well, actually, I mean that's a good point too. I uh, the reason I say they might is because I know especially with popular things and like you said collectors items like I know they still sell uh like physical copies of Stranger Things. And it's like in a case that looks like an old '80s like VHS tape case, and, yeah, which and is stuff awesome. like that. So <laughs> they could do something like that with Star Wars, and again, because it's Star Wars, people would buy it. But at the same time, you know, so much of this stuff is moving towards uh, digital media, and it's like I still watch some of the movies that I have on Blu-ray. But like, if I have a choice between getting up and walking across the room and putting in the Mandalorian on Blu-ray or just putting it on on Disney Plus, I'm just gonna sit there and put it on Disney Plus. So. Um, you know, even if it did, even if they did release it on Blu-ray, I'm not sure I would buy it. And I love the show, and it would be a cool collector's item. But like, it would be kind of impractical if I don't need it to watch it. Like, I still haven't bought Rise of Skywalker yet because it's on Disney Plus. Right, but I think like me and also Tim were kind of Rise of Skywalker, but that's besides the point. No, whatever. <laughs> um, but you also didn't want to buy Solo. I had to give that to you. So. To be fair, I probably would have bought Solo if eventually if you hadn't gotten it for me. I just wasn't jumping on it day one, and you offered me a copy before I felt the need to go out and buy it. Um, and so, obviously, obviously now that's on Disney Plus too, but that was before Disney Plus was out. But I, I do think that, like Tim said, that there's – they're they're trying to shy away from physical media but part of that is to obviously to you know further push not just you know their digital sales but disney plus in general right so but like i said but tim me and you've always talked for a long time in our lifetime physical media in some sort of way will, will will stick around and i firmly believe that so you know but i mean at the same time how you know what who knows? But yeah, I, I think there's always going to be some kind of box set thing that'll be released. And I think that's, that's the way it should be. I mean, again, collecting is always going to be a thing for us. It's human nature, I think. And yeah, I don't know though. I mean, and obviously we're at the end of the episode. I'm like, wait, how did we end up on another discussion topic after we were just reading listener comments and stuff? But um, <laughs> I mean, I would not be surprised if like by the time we're old, if this has been phased out, like at least for for the foreseeable short term future, I think, you know, obviously they will continue to sell Blu-rays and stuff because a lot of people haven't completely switched over to the digital stuff and a lot of people still buy movies. And so as long as that's a source of income for them, they're going to keep doing that. But you look at just the way, you know, the the shift in just the past few years um, and especially now with COVID and people releasing stuff direct to digital instead of in movie theaters and it's like disney didn't release mulan on blu-ray but they put it on disney plus like you know i i think and obviously there's manufacturing costs involved with with the discs and stuff i think at some point they're just going to cut out the middleman and just put it right on your tv or your console or whatever so um yeah i don't know we'll see 
Yeah, well, after that long discussion, sorry, Jonathan, that we didn't have a concrete answer for where you could watch the Ewok movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Long story short, put the Ewok films on Disney Plus for the people that want to watch them. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, just about going to do it for now. Thank you, Jonathan, for that email and all you guys for your your comments and stuff on social media. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues and check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com uh, for all of our latest episodes and news stories and all that good stuff. Um, of course, be sure to uh, also check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, and with that, I think we're done for now. We'll be back soon with, uh, you know, some more good Star Wars stuff to talk about. Uh, but until then, we'll see you guys next time. And may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, Rebels.